What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Hey, Big MX listeners, and thanks for listening to the, this newest episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast with both Jay Cavanaugh of Rack Racing and, of course, Wes Williams of, uh, of course, the famed Verb Moto, but also uh, films for Red Bull these days. Um, this is a very uh, important podcast, very special one to me. Uh, obviously, uh, having Wes on is a huge highlight because uh, just of who, who he is and all of his contributions to motocross over the last couple of decades. Uh, the guy is so iconic, so much visual uh, content, so many sound bites, and um, seriously, throughout the mid-2000s, late 2000s, um, like... Uh, like before 2010 and even through 2010 when he was uh, working with Verb and all of those like the Platinums and the videos and uh, just so much content that he's produced. Uh, it's just such a pleasure for me to have him on the show and uh, just to, to talk about racing because the guy's been doing it for so long and he's super passionate about it. Uh, even though he's been through the ringer of all of it and seen uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that is uh, motocross. Um, but uh, I honestly wanted to also couple this with an interview that I did with Jay Cavanaugh uh, of Rack Racing, and he's all about those random acts of kindness that uh, really kind of make things go. And uh, uh, it actually turned out to be a very, very cool conversation. I rolled into uh, chatting with Jay, uh, thinking that we would talk for uh, maybe 20, 25 minutes, depending on uh, how the conversation went. Uh, sometimes not knowing uh, people too much rolling into conversations, I never really know uh, if they're going to hit a stride or, or really make something special happen. Because uh, I've actually only talked to Jay maybe like two or three times at uh, random Supercross races when grabbing some food at the uh, the Rockstar rig. Uh, or not Rockstar rig, the... Uh, the Rockwell rig uh, during Supercross season, but uh, we just uncorked one here and really got into some really cool topics of conversation. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, it's a it's a, a interesting perspective, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So listen to this interview with Jay Cavanaugh. Then there'll be some uh, of rack racing. Then there'll be some commercials. FMF uh, Fast House was some brand new commercials that we rolled out in the last little bit. Uh, stole them from in, uh, from from YouTube. Uh, but nevertheless, please listen to them. Um, they're what makes this podcast go. And uh, honestly, you guys are what makes this podcast go. Um, so please, if you have any requests, uh, if you have some feedback, you want to tell me to stop doing this or stop doing that or have more certain guys on, let me know. Hit me up at uh, bradgebhart88 at gmail.com or my Instagram, if you're not already following, is bradgebhart88. That's B-R-A-D-G-E-B-H-A-R-D-T. Uh, 88 at, on Instagram and also the, the email address is the same thing so uh, hit me up and uh, after the commercials uh, we, we break into an hour-long conversation with Wes Williams where we get into the just everything like the 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 state of motocross today the story of how it all came together with uh, um, the the team Puerto Rico and also some awesome stories from this last weekend at the uh, Red Bull Straight Rhythm. So uh, check this podcast out. It's two hours. I hope you've got a long commute to make this thing uh, really last for you and uh, enjoy it. I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. And, and, and as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF and the Fast House as well as the Collective Experience 
go to the collective experience or the collective ex at uh, com. And uh, I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line, the sole proprietor and uh, the man behind the scenes at Rack Racing, Jay Cavanaugh. Jace, how's it going? I'm having an awesome day. How about you, Brad? Hey, no complaints, my friend. It's uh, it's a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Work is done for the day. Uh, uh, a couple of interviews and uh, and a workout to close out my day. I I, I can't really complain. Uh, and and if I did, I don't know if anyone would listen. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Absolutely not. <laughs> no one no one wants to hear anyone complain. Uh, they just want to hear the solutions to the problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's a much more compelling uh, conversation if, if you can tell people how you're going to be sol- uh, solving these these issues rather than just listing them off one by one by one. And uh, and Jay, uh, the reason why we have you on, obviously earlier in the week, uh, we had a uh, dynamic trio uh, of, uh, of individuals that uh, made a very special uh, something happen this last weekend, basically making the, uh, the 259 James Stewart bike and gear and everything come back to life uh everything we were missing uh, the only thing we were missing was a very short black guy uh, although i guess you guys had dave so that almost kind of uh, uh, rounds things out but uh um, yeah, who doesn't love dave drakes gotta love dave drakes um and uh but you yourself are also an integral part of this you are you're a, you're a big part of uh of aj's program uh you're from that neck of the woods where, where they're all kind of from uh given the fact that you, both you and dave share uh a um, an area code as far as your cell phone is concerned, but uh, like t- tell me how you kind of fit into hold this mix and uh, and your impact on uh, this weekend this last weekend's uh, Red Bull Straight Rhythm and just how you're able to take that hole in. Yeah, sure. So I mean, uh, like many of you who are listening, probably you know we all wanted to be pro motocross. We yes. all threw down. We all did our best, and you know only the strong survive, right? And so that doesn't mean that that passion goes away, right? So you want to fulfill that passion in a way and you know, it's like, all right, maybe I can't go pro, but I somehow can't get away from this addiction, which is motocross, supercross. So for me, what I did is uh, I just started going to the races. I think back in like 2006, I got my first set of credentials for supercross. And it was funny because I called the phone. I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. I didn't know anyone. In the, in the industry. And I was like, I call up this woman. I don't think she works there anymore. I forget her name, but she was super cool. And she goes, well, who are you with? And I looked down and there was a magazine in front of me, of course, like, you know, who's on the cover. I think it was like Ricky Carmichael or something. I had something that had Ricky Carmichael in front of me. And I'm like, well, Ricky Carmichael, <laughs> of course. Right. I mean, that's your go-to. I mean, and so I basically was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with Ricky Carmichael. She's like, oh, okay. Um, she's like, we're going to send you some paperwork, just print it out. And boom, we'll get you some credentials. And so that's kind of like where my journey started getting really deeper into motocross, supercross, trying to figure out like, where do I fit in? You know, and it's like knowing you want to be a part of something, but not where to me was like, just immerse yourself in it and just like, just be you Mm -hmm. talk to people and just see where it goes. Like some, sometimes like, I think you need to have a plan, but other times that plan needs to just be like, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to charge. I'm going to try stuff. Yeah. Like I don't know. You just need to start moving your feet. Exactly. Like take one step, like Lily, everyone says, all right, take that first step. And it's amazing because so many people don't ever take that first step. And it's like, it, and they say it's hard, but I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I think, um, I think it's all in your head. You know, I think it's just one step and it has to be small. I think too many people focused on, you know, the end game and that makes your goal so far from you that you're afraid to take that first step. 
With right. me, I set very small attainable goals, you know, some short-term goals, some mid-term goals, and long-term, and you just start there. And so that's kind of where I started just getting more involved in motocross, supercross, and just one day kind of bumped into AJ Catanzaro and was like, hey, like, I saw you're from Portland. Like, I live in East Hampton, one town over. Like, what's up? And he's a likable guy. I mean, if yes. you don't like AJ Catanzaro, you, you probably don't like yourself. <laughs> no, no. He's just a uh, smiling guy. In the day's going that badly. Um, but otherwise, he's he's a pretty upbeat individual, uh, talented as, as all heck, and uh, pretty fun to be around, uh, I got to say. Yeah, and, it, and, and it's funny. Like you, People that don't know him, like the one thing that I think is most surprising about him is that people don't realize how smart he is like he's really truthfully smart when you listen. And I'm not talking that he's going to quote, you know, who was the 17th president, like, who, like, honestly, who cares? But, right. um, you know, like if you really have, if you really listen to his thought process and the way he thinks, he's just smart, you know, like a lot of street smarts, a lot of common sense. Yes, sir. And he speaks well. Like if, I mean, I don't know if you, did you go to Gillette? Did you go to Gillette stadium for, um, Supercross last year? This last year I did not No. You don't. Okay. Um, but he did, he had an opportunity to do an interview, um, that was broadcast across the stadium and I was listening to it. And the whole time me and a couple of guys are listening to it. I'm like, he needs to be a commentator. Like he's like the next, like Ralph Shaheen or Jeff Emig, in my opinion, like once he decides to make that move. And so, um, it's, you know, that's why he had such a good crew around him with rebel straight rhythm is that he speaks well, he makes you feel like you're a part of something, which is why we're all there. We just want to feel a part of it. We don't know what our part is sometimes. You know, I mean, I'm starting to find out what that is right now. I seem to be on to something. But um, I've, been, I've sucked it up for 12 years. You know, I mean, 11, 12 years to get to this point where it's right. like, I'm just not giving up, you know. And, and here we are with Rack Racing, and it seems like we might have something. For sure. So with that, what is Rack Racing? Uh, how does it, uh, like, what's its... Um What's its service? How do people get more, get closer to it? And also, where can they follow it on social media? Ooh. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what Rack Racing is, is Rack stands for, so R-A-K. It's not R-A-C-K, it's R-A-K. The R-A-K stands for Random Acts of Kindness. So what we are is basically a race team that helps people. So okay. what happens is I have um, a couple people that I train. I do mental coaching for top-level amateur supercross or motocross racers. Um, and a hundred percent of their contributions go towards random acts of kindness that they get tagged in on social media. So the first part of it is they're getting the mental coaching they need to perform better on track and also off track in their lives. But then the sweet spot is these guys are seeing that they're having a positive effect on the world and the universe because now we're tagging them on doing good. Like, um, we, hijacked i don't want to say hijacked that sounds bad doesn't it but um <laughs> my neighbor and i were on a walk one day um this was probably what two months ago okay. and i do a three mile walk every morning and oh, that's where i gain clarity i get my my blood pumping i'll run maybe half of it sometimes i just walk all of it that's where i do my morning inspirational videos that i post on my instagram right but um my neighbor said, Hey, I'm taking the day off. Like, can I join you? I'm like, Oh dude, of course. Like my neighbor, Nate is someone that I spend a lot of time with. And we, we talk all the time about life and, and we keep pushing each other. So anyways, we're going on this walk and it's probably like, you know, you know, it's going to be on those hot days. So all of a sudden we hear that weird sound that is kind of cool, but also kind of creepy of like the, um, ice cream truck. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the little goofy sound. Right. Yeah. 
So we hear that sound and I'm like, Hey, I know we're on a walk and all, but like, I'd really love some ice cream. I'm like, do you have any money? Cause I, I got no money. And he goes, I don't have any money on me. I said, well, I don't either. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I make decent money. You make decent money and we can't, <laughs> we can't get an ice cream. And so, um, I'm always trying to turn everything into a positive. So I said to myself, I was like, okay, how can we turn this into a positive? And so what I ended up saying is I, I was like, give me a second. I'll figure this out. Just give me like five seconds. And probably in less than five seconds, I see the ice cream woman and I'm like, I got to do something. I just raised my hand. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know I'm raising my hand. <laughs> That's all I know. Perfect. And in another five seconds, I said, um, hey, I said, how many people do you drive by that stop you that want ice cream, but don't have any money. She goes, Oh, it happens all the time. Like we have people all the time that stop me and don't have any money. I said, well, I'll make a deal with you. I said, I do mental coaching for kids. I have some money that they contribute to me that I do random acts of kindness with. I said, tell you what, if you drive me to my house, which is a quarter mile away and let me run in my house, I will get a hundred, 140 bucks, whatever I got cash. And we'll just hand out free ice cream. Like for the next couple hours. Like I Why know not? it sounds crazy, but like, I mean, yeah, like, why not? Like, like, are you down? And she's like, get in. Like, she didn't even say yes. Like, she's like, get in. And I'm like, my neighbor's sitting there dying. And he's like, dude, are you really? I'm like, dude, we got this. We got this. I love saying that. We got this. And so we jumped in and we handed out um, $140 worth of free ice cream to a bunch of kids in the underprivileged area. Then we started going through random streets. Then we were going down the street of AJ. Do you know who we picked up? Jesse Petrini who did AJ's video, the tribute to 259 James Bubba Stewart. Right. We picked, Je Jesse was on like two streets over from where we were giving out ice cream at one point. I was like, Jesse, are you home? He goes, yes. I go, you've got to leave now. You've got to leave now. Get your camera. He goes, all right. He goes, where are you? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, just start driving. I'll figure it out. So he comes, he jumps in the ice cream truck. He's videoing us cruising around the ice cream truck. Total chaos. There's kids running. We're like, free ice cream, free ice cream. And there was this one kid where I'm sitting there and he's walking. I go, nobody walks for free ice cream. And this little six-year-old kid started booking it. It was epic. So that's just an example of what we do for random acts of kindness with that money that we get from the, uh, the mental coaching. Well, there you go. And it's just like a positive uh, little uh, tidbit for the day and uh, just impacting people in a positive way. That That's a powerful thing. And um, the mental coaching, you kind of mentioned it in the earliest portion of the podcast, is that kind of is the, the biggest block for a lot of people in, in the things that they do, uh, their day-to-day -day life, whether they're taking on a fitness challenge or a work challenge or just a, uh, whatever it happens to be in life. We, 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 we face adversity every single day of our lives. Um, but the mental side of things is, is very, very delicate and, uh, often hard to overcome. It's cool that you're able to help people with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really the, the thing that I always say is like, if you, if you, for example, like, let's say you talk to Henry Miller, like I asked Henry Miller at the uh, Minnesota Supercross, I said, Hey Henry, I'm like, what do you think, what percentage of your racing do you think is mental versus your actual abilities? And he goes, uh, 50, 50. Okay. Wow. I asked Jeremy Albrecht in, um, at the Southwick national this year. I said, Hey Jeremy, like, what do you think mental versus, cause I was going to quote it. I'm writing a book on this and I wanted to have a couple of quotes. Okay. And he goes, 80, 20. I go. And when he said 80, 20, Brad, I was like, I was like, wow, you only think it's 20% mental. He goes, no, 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 no. 80% mental. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is probably public knowledge. It doesn't really matter probably, but um, he even said that factory Phil, right? 
Um, he's, he rips in practice. Like nobody can touch him in practice. But then when it comes to race day, different, he's not always guy. at the level of the guys he practices with. Yeah, right. He's a different guy. So, so how, so what changed? What changes his mental, his mental preparation and his mental abilities when it's, when it's go time, right? I mean, right. he can do, he can do practice, but he can, when the pressure is on, can you deliver yes or no, right? And so the, the, the thing that happens with these guys is that if you're telling me it's 50, 50, 80, 20, whatever you think, and I would say on average, to be honest, the average answer is about 60, 40, 60 mental, 40 ability at the pro level. Now, if that is what your number is, then shouldn't you think that 60% of your time would be working in your mental and 40 on your abilities? I mean, perhaps, but like nobody works on the mental game, it seems. Like yeah. I talked to Dungy at Daytona and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I worked on my mental game just like twice. There was this guy who charged like an exorbitant amount of money for, and he was like an F1 coach, like, um, you know, like auto racing, like right. F1 or is that what they call it? F1 something, whatever. Yeah. Um, Formula one, a ton of money. to be like, honest, like Formula in a race where, uh, the equipment is so, um, like you're so, so splitting hairs. The only edge you can have is a mental one. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, the Dunge was thinking about, um, I think he's working on something called the mind champion, which, um, I bumped into him at Redbud, but he was busy and I was pretty busy and it wasn't a good time to chat, but I know he's working on something with the mental game and, uh, AJ myself and him might try to get together and do like a charity okay. um, school. Yeah. So that might be kind of cool, but so, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of, uh, one thing I would say is that people just don't put enough thought and effort to it. And people basically think that their life just happens. It's like, to me, I believe you're, you create your life, you know, like every morning I say like, what do I want? Like, and, and sometimes I'll speak it to the universe, you know, I was like, just say it out loud. Like, I'll be like, today I'm a beast. Like sometimes I'll pry myself in the morning. I will literally pound my chest with my fist and I'll be like, and I'll run around in circles. Like I probably look like insane. Like if my neighbors were looking to my window, they would probably put their house up for sale. Probably. But it's like, you got it. You go, who, who's going to, who's going to get you pumped? Like, is your friend, is your yeah. girlfriend? No one's going to get you pumped. For sure. It's on you. Yeah. So make it happen. Right. Yeah. Oh, have you yeah. ever done that? Have you ever run, have you ever, have you ever hit yourself in the chest and said, I got this, I got this and run around your house crazy with like some like ethical boxers or something? No, not, uh, not around my house, but like, I certainly like at, at the gym, at the, when it were like, uh, before a race, uh, even honestly, even before work, but you got to psych yourself up a little bit. Like, um, and if you don't psych yourself up, no one is going to like, like going to get behind, unless you got a personal trainer to, to pat you on the, on the back and say, let's do this. Like it's, it's very, it's very rare. And like, uh, yeah, like you got to do it yourself. And honestly, this is uh, kind of a quote, uh, one of my favorite quotes from a comedian that I heard years ago, and it kind of put it in perspective on like goal setting and just achieving things. And I don't think it was meant for that whatsoever, but, uh, Jay, do you know who, who cares about your problems and, uh, and you less than you do? <laughs> That's interesting. I've never heard that, but I love it. Yeah. Do you, Do you know who 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 cares about you and your problems less than you do? Everybody. <laughs> you. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody cares less than you should. You know what I mean? Like uh, you. Like no one should care about your problems uh, more than you care about them because uh, they're your problems. You, like and the only person who can do anything about them is you. Um, and uh, it's just like that was such a powerful thing for me is the fact that. Um, and like you have the, the the ability and the strength to to achieve whatever you want, and any time that you say to yourself, 
uh, I don't feel like doing blank, um, you can basically like look yourself in the mirror and say like you also don't want that goal either then. Because like I also don't like yeah. like say I I, I um like I want to have washboard abs. But one day I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't want to go to the gym. I want to have a large pizza. What I'm really saying is I don't want abs. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Like it's well, I mean, don't you think like energetically, like one thing that I've like, I've never been, I'm not super religious, but I've been, I keep going back to the word energy. Right. Right. And it's like, I kind of trust that the universe wants to put the energy where the energy needs to be. So in your example, where it's like, you go from one the abs to not, it's like, if I had a bunch of energy that I was supposed to deliver to those who need the extra pick me up or the extra energy, it's like, I'm not going to give it to someone that's waxing and waning in the desires, right? Like, because that's a waste of the energy. It's energy. It's, it's valuable. Right. And so I want to give it to the one person that keeps fighting and keeps pushing and is hungry. I mean, think about it. Why do we always love those stories where someone fights, 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 and then all of a sudden they, they get to it, you know, or someone like Doug Henry, like, come on, like who doesn't freaking love Doug Henry? If, if you're having a bad day um, and you want to know what a badass is, Google Doug Henry, watch one of his videos. Like that yeah. dude fires me up. You can see it in his eyes. If you look at him, you literally Intensity. see it in his eyes. At least that's what I see. Yeah. I see intensity and I just see like this desire where if he flicks a switch, dude, you better watch out because he will do whatever he wants to do. If you told him he couldn't do something, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, and so, honestly, the same thing can be said about Chad Reed. Like Chad, Chad Reed is like, he, he feeds on guys that doubt him. That that's what like, well, I think honestly, like uh, probably Chad Reed is at his worst is when everybody loves Chad because then he doesn't have that same, that same fire. When, when everyone, uh, when the world's against Chad, look out because uh, mm-hmm. the guy can make something special happen. And, and that's why he's continued to race as long as he has. But uh, yeah, I, I, you're totally right there. There is a, uh, like there's, there's, different fuels for us and uh what, what reality is it's uh that positive energy that kind of keeps you going yeah and, and if you go back to your chad reed example i mean um ellie reed follows us pretty closely rack okay. racing and our videos and i do speak to her every now and then she's we actually challenge her do, do you want before i talk about chad reed do you, about ellie reed let me tell you how amazing ellie reed is okay i challenge people all the time and they never accept my challenge like i do it a lot and people don't accept it. i ask easy things so with Ellie Reed, all of a sudden out of the blue, I saw that she said she wanted to get back into painting, right? Like on her, it was like probably like three months ago, she said she wanted to get back into painting. So I was like, all right. I'm like, let's challenge Ellie Reed. Let's see what she's got. Because she seems kind of like a boss, but I'm not sure. I want to test her. So I said, hey, Ellie, um, tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. If you, you said you want to start painting, right? Yeah. All right. So I, if you start a painting today and you take a video of it, and I called her out on a video. Like I literally did a video of this and I called her out. I said, Hey, Ellie Reed, if you start painting today, instead of talking about it and you take action and you're a boss, I said, I will donate a hundred dollars to a charity that is related to helping kids paint or do artwork in your name, in your honor, you in and you out. And like, <laughs> I think it was like not even five minutes later, she's like, in. and I don't think it was more than four to six hours later there's a video of a painting that was started by Ellie Reed. So, so Chad Reed is great, but don't you ever think that Ellie Reed isn't a factor in his success? Oh yeah. She is no, a sure. very, very critical factor. She's a boss. I love Ellie Reed. I'm an Ellie Reed fan. We need ER 22 shirts. <laughs> ER right 22 now. shirts. 
I like it. ER, or, yeah, yeah, ER. Like, I, I would literally, I, I'd probably, I'd probably, if the material were good, I'd go up to 40 bucks on one of those. I'd, I'd pay 40. There you go. Well, why not? <laughs> if, if, some, if, if something's valuable, uh, then if, if something like that is, has that kind of value, then uh, uh, by all means, pay it. But uh, so where do you uh, like, wh- where do you put a value on your, your coaching? Like what, what's, what's the, what is, what's someone looking at? Like you, you'd mentioned that, uh, that Ryan Dungey worked with a, a mental coach and he had an exorbitant fee. Uh, what does it cost to work with, uh, with, with Jay, um, Jay Kavanaugh? So right now we're kind of at a point where we just took on um, right now we have three, well, we just took on our fourth, but we ha- we've had three core guys for a while now. We've had Tyler McAdams, we've had Grant LaFrance, and we've had Bre- Brendan Gregoire. Uh, Brandon Gregoire. Um, okay. We just look like we're going to um, go on with uh, Adam Co- uh, Owen Covell, um, who's more of a mini rider, um, and he's up and coming, kind of like one of our next, like, AJ Catanzaro's of the Northeast. Okay. Um, that will be four guys in the roster. Um, I'm probably going to keep it at four. Um, we did at one time almost have six and I just felt like it was too much. So we're going to go to four and we might, we might, might, might work. What I'm trying to do is maybe get someone like an, like a pro in as well. So I'm trying to save that like fifth spot for maybe someone like a Carson Brown, um, cold neck, you know, like so- someone that like just, Someone that knows that the guys that know they need the work that I do, they know it. Like Brandon Gregoire, like I taught a class with uh, AJ and he came up after the class. He's like, I need you. Like, I need you. Like, that's all he said. Like, he's like, I need you. It's like, that's the kind of guy that I want because he's hungry and he knows what he needs and he knows that we're the solution or the potential solution. So those are the guys I want. There's a lot of guys that I think um, don't understand the fat, like what the mental coaching is. And they might have either deeper seated issues that are more like, uh, maybe with their parents or, or maybe something else where mental coaching is more like refining things and, and changing your thought process. But if you have deeper seated issues, I don't know if I'm really the perfect guy for that. I'm like more like, it's a certain fit. It's like a relationship, right? Like, I mean, are you married, Brad? I am not uh, a girlfriend, but uh, no, I'm not a married man. I got, she hasn't put the pressure on you yet. Has not put a pressure on me yet. We 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 just sort of uh, got things going. We're, we're we're gonna we're gonna ease our way into those talks. Ease into those talks based on on your interpretation of reality or her interpretation of reality. Just are both. <laughs> I think both of our interpretations of reality that we've only been dating for four weeks. So. Um, oh, four like, weeks! Oh, damn! You're not. This is fresh. Yeah, this is new. This is uh, this is the the fun part. Um, so yeah, is, it, no. is this Bumble? Is it, am I allowed to ask questions? Is it or, or oh, no? You, hey, you can ask questions. Absolutely. No, we actually met at a uh, at a coffee place not not too far away. I uh, uh, girl walks in, pretty girl decided to uh, uh, order my coffee and then turn around and I said I'll get whatever she wants and then. Uh, she kind of just said that she wanted a caramel macchiato, and uh, yeah, that was a, that was about six weeks ago. So you found love. Love for you started with a caramel macchiato. Yeah, it was a random act of kindness. How sick is that? Like you literally like almost did like one of those pay it forward things. Where you're like, I'm gonna get her a coffee. Yeah, basically that was a, yeah. I was just like, oh, well, like maybe I'll get to talk to that girl if I buy her a coffee. So it works. 
yeah, worst comes to worst. You did something positive for her. You find out she's in a relationship and she's in love. Exactly. Best case scenario, you're dating her four to six weeks later. Hell yeah. So yeah, it, it, it worked out. Like, uh, it was a bit of a bold move on my part, I think, but uh, it, uh, yeah, it worked. Yeah, but when you transition it back into what we're talking about, it's like what you really did is you just showed you're a good man and you showed you're kind. And right. you know, there's so many women just are sick of idiots. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no better time in this world to make yourself known because everyone seems to be taking the easy path. I think men have thought that what women are looking for is just a, a paycheck and a W-2. I really don't think that's true. I think they want someone that's caring, that's kind, that's loving. And no men are, are comfortable showing those emotions. And therefore, they wonder why they're sitting there with their friends watching football every single weekend with no women around. It's because, right. well, you're not putting out that vibe. You get it. It's an energy, right? I mean, if you put out that you want something to the universe, you probably had that desire. Like, I want to be with someone. I want, you probably had this, like, vibe that was going out and you did a random act of kindness. It's like, it worked out perfect. That's cool. Yeah, it did. Well, uh, thanks my friend. I, I, I do appreciate you acknowledging that. And yeah, it was a cool story the way it started and uh, it's been pretty cool since. So uh, we'll, we'll keep it going the way it is and uh, yeah, see where we end up. I'm, I'm sure she'll come to a motocross race and uh, she'll, she'll, uh, I'll make sure we, we beeline straight for you. Yeah. It's too bad. We didn't have her come out for Red Bull straight rhythm because yes. I would say after about three quarters of it, my voice started to check out because I was Completely. screaming so loud. And there was one time where I tried screaming and nothing came out. And I'm like, not now, not now. It's almost like if AJ like started running out of gas right before the loop section, it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so we could have used some backup vocals. No kidding. Yeah, no, it's uh, – I. I... <laughs> Like, uh, I, I wish I was there. I know I missed out on one quite creative, crazy weekend. Uh, unfortunately, I had to work. But uh, fortunately, that amount of work was, um, was, was very lucrative for me. So uh, that, it, with that, uh, basically cements my ability to come down to California again for the first five rounds of Supercross. And uh, on my way Ooh. home, uh, as a random act of kindness towards me, I imagine... Uh, um, Supercross has decided to put Minneapolis as the sixth round, knowing that I would come to the first six round or five rounds and then drive home. So they're like, why don't we just make the sixth round Minneapolis so that Brad can go to that one on the way home? Thank you very much, Supercross, because that's how it's going to work. Oh my God, I love that. Isn't it? That's the universe rewarding you for for donating your time and effort to helping people and being a good person. And sometimes things just work out for good people. Like, I, I think that. They always do. And uh, I think that's cool. And, and you know what? Maybe what we should do, um, I've been thinking of doing Random Acts of Kindness on Friday with a select racer prior to a Saturday Supercross event. Maybe we can link up on something. Maybe we can even convince Dungy to come with us because you know he's going to be around. It's Minnesota, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. How cool would that be? How cool would that be? It would be super cool. Can we make that happen? We, we can sure as heck try. I think so. I mean, the, uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to say that him and I are buds, but I mean, I have given him a couple knuckles and I have sent him an email. Like, we, yeah, I think we're trying to figure out like if there's something there with me, him and AJ, we just want to give back. I think, you know, like imagine where Dungy's at, right? So Dungy did things that very few of us could have ever perce- you know, conceived as even possible. He basically pulled off the impossible with some of what he's highlights in his career. Are. And it's like, 
where does he go now? Like, I mean, don't you think it's got to be crazy, like, to go from, like, intensity times 100 to, like, full breaks, not full breaks, but, you know, full breaks on motocross. Obviously, he went back for Red Bull straight rhythm, did well, got second. Yep. But, like, I wonder how he finds challenges because, don't forget, he trained his brain to just always be going, always be pushing, yeah. always be growing. Always be so overcoming. How, yeah. yeah. So how do you think his brain is feeling right now? I wonder if there's, and I, I wonder, you know, I wonder how does he, how does he fulfill that desire? Because mm -hmm. I'm sure that habit is still being played in his mind. Don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. In, in the world of a, an, uh, an elite athlete like that, your mind uh, would be like a rock concert. There would just be so many things going on, lights, lights flashing, loud noises, spectacular uh, fireworks going off. Uh, things to look on the big screen, a band on stage, and then all of a sudden you um, you retire, and it's like an empty stadium. Yeah, exactly. And you can't and hear like, anything, and that that yeah. basically you'd be stepping off of uh, yeah, you, you'd be stepping off a treadmill after going uh, full blast. Yeah, and I'm sure you know he figures things out, and I'm sure he has his wins, and he's a smart man, and he has a. I'm sure he has a very, very busy schedule. But just from that level of intensity, it's it's not like I'm sure he's not sitting around, you know, playing PlayStation Four, you know, wondering, you know, when what time Lindsay's going to get home his life. You know, I mean, he's probably got a full schedule. But I just wonder, like, if we could team up with him to keep that fuel and that giving back because a lot of what I want to do too with this whole rack racing thing is I, I sometimes, you know, like I'm in a hospital right now, just so you know, like right. I'm literally in the IC of hospital because my dad had a stroke during a basic procedure. Well, I don't call it basic procedure. He had a heart procedure on Monday. Yeah. One to 3% chance of having a stroke. He had a stroke. So we're dealing with it. Right. I'm sorry. But, um, so the thing is, is that, um, God, I lost my train of thought on that one. Um, yep. No sweat. Anyways. So um, <laughs> I had something good. You um, did. That's fine. It'll probably come back to you. I, it's gone. Hopefully, I'm not having a stroke. No. Um, that's no. Nope, just a brain fart. Um, but anyways, yeah, brain fart. Yeah, just a brain fart. But um, damn, I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, oh yeah. So um, just like random acts of kindness, you know. And so I just think there comes a point where you just want to give back. Like with me in my life, like the other day. Um, I was like, how do I create some good juju for my father? Right. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to do a rack. I want to, I, when I call it a rack, but that means doing a random act of kindness. I yeah, want to do right. a rack. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? Rack out. I went to the bank. Yeah, rack out. Exactly. So I ended up getting um, 10, three $10 bills, one for each of the current racers that we have under our umbrella, kind of, if you will. And I wrote a little note that said, hey, something to the effect of, like, hey, you're kind enough to buy a card for someone in need who could use the pick-me-up. How about we pay for that card? And so I placed it inside. Um, one of them I placed in, and it said, you know, from uh, Rack Racing, Grant LaFrance, one of her racers. I put that in the Get Well section. Then I did another one that I put in the Encouragement section. And then I did another one in the um, – there was another section. I forget which one it was. But anyways, I went down there just now. So this is yesterday. Today, I come back to the hospital and two of them were gone, but one's still there. So I was like, wow, I wonder how that positive effect um, kind of, you, you, the fun of this is wondering like how much of an impact did that have? Did that lift someone up? Did that make someone cry? Did that lift someone up when they wanted to cry? I mean, it's just cool. And I just think that Dungy obviously wants to give back to uh, St. Jude's. 
like we should all just turn the team up, like all of us. And it doesn't take much, man. Like I've been giving thumbs up to every friggin' person that walks by in a gurney. Well, not walks by, but every person that goes by in a gurney, they get thumbs up and a smile for me. I don't care. That's it. Yeah. Like it doesn't take much to make cool. the world a better place. So it's cool stuff. Random acts kind of cool, man. I mean, it works for you. You got a girlfriend out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And a damn good one at that. And uh, honestly, uh, in a lot of ways, you could almost compare like 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 the, the, the podcast itself is a bit of a random act of kindness because um, I had been like watching and listening to so much uh, content uh, through motocross for so long. And I almost felt like it was also time for me to, to give back a little bit to show my appreciation for um, like just the, the work that, that people do and the, the how, how awesome this industry is and, and how, like how much, how much joy the sport of motocross has given me that I was able, that I was willing to like start a podcast, create more content for people knowing full well that I probably wouldn't be compensated for it right away. Um, and, and, and still to this point, like, uh, the, the, the earnings of big MX radio is still pretty modest to be completely honest here. Uh, but, um, no, it's, it's been, it's been an amazing ride. And, and if people are able to, uh, enjoy this on their way home from work or uh escape a little bit due to it then uh then that in itself is is worth it to me and that's why i enjoy yeah and it's funny that you say that because you know one like we talked about earlier it's like all of us i mean you wanted to go pro at some point right and you rode and you always had that dream like so it's just awesome that you are one of the very few that fought 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 and said i want to be a part of this i just don't know how but I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep thinking and I'm going to figure it out. And the beauty of it is when you take money out of the equation, I think when you put money first, I think with your life, I think in this situation with me, with the rack racing, with you, with a podcast, I think you have to start with passion first and you say that I don't care if I never make a dollar, I am excited to do this. And it's like, when you're excited to do it, that's what you need. And everyone flips the equation, right? And what they do is they say, well, I need to make money because money's everything, right? Like whoever won the $1.6 billion, I'm sorry. I have to think that if they were miserable before, they're going to be miserable after. It's just, it's no different than if you yeah. are miserable and then you go to the bar and you have four drinks really quick and you're still miserable after. If anything, it's heightened. So, yeah. you know, you have to put that passion first and and I think with you, I think it's smart that you did that because, you know, even with rack racing, like this thing is organically becoming crazy. I get like three to five messages a day of people thanking me that I don't even know who they are, but I don't need to know who they are because it makes me so feel so freaking good to give back. You know, like I'm pretty fortunate because I busted my butt my entire life. I fought, 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 clawed, 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 and I happen to make a decent living, um, at least till November 3rd, where I don't have a job anymore. But Perfect. until then, I've done well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just like what you said, it's like, it's just, why can't you put passion first? If, if people put passion first and really went with what their true gut says, I think the world would be a better place. But all of us are sucked into this money game, man. And I get it. I mean, when your insurance bill comes, you want to get it paid. And when your mortgage comes, you want to pay it. I get it. But when you obsess over it, there's that fine line where people just make it too much of a thing. And, and I'm, my goal this year, I didn't even tell you this, my goal for the first time ever, and I'm not kidding about this, my goal this year was to make less money than I have in the last 10 or 15 years. Why is that? Because it's controlled my life too much. I've okay. given it, it's gotten too big. It's become a thing. And it's like, at what point, 
how much money do you need to make? Like I used to be a dishwasher and I was making 10 bucks an hour. All right. I'll be honest with you. That was rough. Like I didn't get to live the life I wanted. I struggled. So mm-hmm. I did something else Then I made 12, then 15, but really at what number are you happy? And you know what? If you got a million dollars, not that I have that kind of money, but like, let's say you have a million dollars. What do you want next? Two, then three, then four. And, and, and also this weaves into what we're talking about with motocross. Like, when is it enough? Like, remember the first time you won an, a novice race, right? You were probably jumping up and down. Yeah, you oh, won. Yeah. You finally won. You finally won. But then what happens next? That one idiot that one friend of yours who should not be a friend and should not, he does not value your time or your ear says, well, it's just a novice class, bro. And yeah. then what happened in a split second, your joy in, in this, this exuberance you feel has now been put into question. And what do you do? You listen to them. And now all of a sudden it's like, it's not enough. And then you got to win amateur. And then if you win amateur, it's not enough. You got to win expert. And then you're not pro dude. You want expert. Yeah, that's fine. But you're not pro yet. You didn't beat. It's like, when is it enough? When are you enough? And I think a lot of people don't answer that question. And I think it's a really big problem. I think it's why a lot of people are depressed. A lot of people don't have self-love is that they never feel like they're enough. You never get enough done the day before. You never have enough, right? I mean, it's a tough thing. So uh, I don't know. Kind of got a little ramped up on that one. I almost bumped into a gurney and landed on it. (laughs) <laughs> well, the, cl- clearly the uh, creative juices are flowing. Um, Jay, you're you're such an inspiration to a lot of people, and, and just the way you carry yourself and the way you inspire other people is, is phenomenal to see. Um, for, with that, I ask, like, what what comes next for rack racing? Uh, where would you like to see it uh, evolve to and ascend to? And um, like like you, you said, you're you're jobless as of uh, November third. Uh, what happens then? Well, getting a job, luckily for me, getting a job in my field is fairly easy. I'm actually, uh, my main job is I'm an eye doctor. Right. So I can get work fairly easy. I do. I live classes. in Connecticut. And in, yeah, in Connecticut, um, there's, there's a need. So I'm not worried about that. Um, more so right now, I basically work a half day every day, and then I go to the hospital until I feel like I'm on the edge of not being able to drive because I'm right. getting too tired, and then I leave the hospital. So Basically, that's what I've been doing um, every single day since Monday. Um, and then November 3rd, um, you know, I'm just going to figure out my main job. But with regards to rack racing, it's like right now we've kind of let it go organically, but it just has so much momentum and so many people are on board. I mean, I got a message where Michael Lessie sent a message today. Um, I sent a message to Adam Enticknap the other Very day cool. and I said, Hey, like, what do you, what do you think? Like if my posse, if my followers were to donate some money for some random acts of kindness, and then maybe we also used a portion of that money to help like almost like sponsor you for the weekend. What do you think about maybe meeting up on a Friday and doing some random acts of kindness and videoing it and, you know, buildings, doing some philanthropy, you know, like, Mm -hmm. because in motocross, I think a lot more people need to know who we are. What really burns me up the most about motocross is that people, if you go to a hospital, like if I go to a hospital, I'm hurt. I say I did it on a mountain bike. I don't know about you guys. I always say it was a mountain bike accident. It was a charity event. I lie like a, like a rug because every single time you don't lie in a hospital about that, they look down on you because you race, you deserve it. You deserve to get hurt because you put yourself at risk. And to me, that's not cool because if they knew the type of people that we are, we're good people. We're giving a lot of us are successful. We fight, we've overcome so much. And it's, it's just, it's a group of people that I just admire and respect as, as human beings so much. 
that I just wish more people would know how good we are. And that's part of where I want Rack to go is I want people to look and say, wow, the motocross community is giving back. They're doing these random acts of kindness. Like who does that? Like these guys are, these guys are legit. You know, maybe we shouldn't be closing tracks. Maybe we should be open tracks because they, they teach discipline. They teach kids that, Hey, if you don't work on your bike, it ain't going to work. And you ain't going to go to the race. You ain't even going to start your bike. You got to clean your air filter. And if you don't, there's repercussions. And if you don't focus, you're going to crash and get hurt repercussions. And it teaches you a lot of life lessons. And the best friends I have, I don't know about you, Brad, the best friends I have are motocross friends. Yeah. Like they're the best people. Like right now I can tell you that more than half of the people that have contacted me to see if I'm okay are all motocross, half, 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 more than half of motocross. And that is not the amount of friends I have. Like I have a lot of friends, but like, um, well, <laughs> depends how you define friends, right? But, um, acquaintances. <laughs> But um, I just want to bring more respect to motocross. I want more riders to get paid what they deserve. It bothers me that, you know, once you get into the top 10 to 12, 15 guys, it's like they're struggling to get paid. You know, yes. like you're, tw- you're the 12th fastest person in the world. And you got this foolish little baseball player uh, who slides into a dirt thing or whatever they do. Uh, it bores me to death. They're making like $1 million and we can't even get a hundred grand. Yeah. Like what's up with that? You know what? Let me ask you. How do we fix that problem? I I love asking you questions too. How do we uh, fix the fact that pro racers aren't marketing themselves properly? How do you fix it? um, First and foremost comes education. Um, I don't think there's – most racers have no idea uh, how to brand themselves, how to um, even come up with a decent proposal, um, or even how to add value. Like, they don't know what they're selling. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, I have lots of uh, Instagram followers. You should – or I get get good good results, or I'm going to Supercross – uh, you should pay me money and uh, send me some free tires or free gear or whatever it happens to be. Um, like you don't speak the language; they don't speak the language of the marketing guys that they're uh, approaching. Like they they need to, um, like that. That's the biggest thing, honestly. Uh, and then on top of that, um, the fact that um, it's such a young age where like these riders are are given so much. Um, like the, there's there's always been. Um, more support at the the amateur local level where uh, guys are able to get uh, more bikes, more more gear, uh, and they think that that sort of gravy train is going to continue long into the pros. Um, but the reality is, when you're winning at amateur racing uh, or if you're at a local level, that's winning. When you're fifteenth or twenty fifth or forty fifth at a uh, at a pro national, and to expect that you're going to get the same level of support that you did when you were mopping up at the at an amateur race or multiple amateur races, um, <laughs> it's just not a realistic expectation. Like you'll you'll get the same support that those riders that uh, at the amateur level uh, or at the local level were getting forty fifth, uh, which is not a whole lot. Um, so the reality is, is that, uh, there's only so much money to go around and it's the guys who can be creative, um, and actually, um, create value and bring return on investment to their investors. Cause that's, that's what a sponsor is, is someone who's investing in mm-hmm. your, uh, brand, your ability to, uh, just like to, to advertise for somebody um, and, and, and actually give them that value. Cause like what, if you don't, and if you don't give that value, two things are going to happen. 
you're gonna you're gonna lose that uh, that that sponsor, and then it's gonna make it even harder for you to get your next sponsor. Like say like you you got sponsored by Fox, and and Fox didn't like the amount of exposure they got from you, uh, so they drop you. Not only did you lose Fox, but you're gonna have a harder time getting the next company to buy in because the the sponsor or like the the marketing guy from that next company is gonna be like, wow, well Fox took a chance on these guys, and he dropped them after one year. Like why why did Fox, a big company like like that not see value in this athlete uh, and that's going to be your first your, your biggest strike against you is not being able to service that account properly i couldn't agree with you more that was a brilliant response and it's like what's holding these guys back because you, you just nailed it like if there's a pro supercross racer watching this hopefully he rewinds it pulls out his pen and takes notes because people aren't getting that and so a lot of times people are trying to blame the industry but that's just like me blaming the world, right? Like I, with the whole rack racing thing, it's like, do you blame the world or do you start like taking action yourself? And mm-hmm. it's the same thing here. Do you blame the industry or do you start taking action yourself? Like, do you start doing Instagram stories where you get five to 10 or God knows Dean Wilson probably gets, I don't know. My guess is 20 to 30,000 maybe views oh, yeah, on an sure. Instagram story. Yep. So mm-hmm. if He's you well get in, in that kind of number, just, just from a marketing standpoint, for me to have to pay to get 20,000, 30,000 eyeballs on an offer, do you know how much that would cost me? It would cost me, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what you're selling, of course. But, you know, it could be, that many impressions could be a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars, several thousand dollars. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's like, when are you, you going to talk? You know, when is someone going to do something other than, hey, look, at this, this is me staging a sip of a Rockstar Energy drink. I mean, it needs to be deeper than that. And people need to talk about features and benefits. Like if I, if, Absolutely. if I was sponsored by, if I was sponsored by FXR, you know what I would do right now? I would do a couple posts where, I, or maybe even just one, or maybe three, whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But what I would do is I would say, hey, guys, got this new gear. Let me tell you all about it. Let me tell you why I think it's great. Yeah, I exactly. think it's great because see this seam right here? This seam right here allows my knee to flex more. So therefore, when I put on my knee brace, I have a lot more flex. And flex allows me to do this, that, and the other. That's the benefit mm-hmm. of this feature. Yeah, Nobody talks about it. But yeah, but yeah, you know that's, what? That's basic At sales. At the same time, yeah, it's basic sales 101, right? Yeah. But then here's the other side of the issue. Does FXR tell their racers, do they feed them properly what they no, like? No, Hey, guys, that, what's going on? I would love if you did this, this, and that. They don't. For sure. No, so I, I, where's I, the responsibility I, lie, right? 100%. I, I firmly believe that if any sponsor, whatever the, the business is, whether it's a, uh, a mental coaching service or motocross gear, a goggle, boot, whatever, any sponsored athlete before they're given even a single t-shirt or hat should have to sit through uh, or multiple um, product knowledge meetings where someone literally sits down no different than they do a, an actual regional sales rep and actually goes through the catalog of 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 products that that the because then then you become an educator then you become someone who's like 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 is like uh vp racing fuel is amazing okay why oh uh, it's just great and they, they like they gave me a bunch of cans of fuel wrong 
Why is it great fuel? Yeah. Why does your bike burn cleaner? Why does your bike burn cooler? Why are you able to now you don't have to service your, your bike as often? You can get more longevity out of pistons and, uh, and, and this, that, and the other thing. Like the bike runs that much better. Like the, the features and benefits of whatever product it is need to be cemented into the, the mind of whoever's representing those products. No different than that, a sales representative. It, that, as, a, as a sponsored athlete, you're a mini sales representative and you need to know that stuff inside out and backwards. And most guys don't even take the time to, to know all of the colors that certain gear comes in, much less what the gear does and why it does it. Um, it, it's, it's actually quite, quite ridiculous that a lot, a lot, like that expectation is not there. And I've even offered that to, uh, certain businesses like that. I myself will, will sit through a, a product knowledge meeting and actually like learn about their products so that I can better sell it. And half the time, uh, honestly, marketing guys like look at me with one eyebrow raised, like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> but that's like that that's what I would be doing like I need to be able like if if I'm going to sell um say say like I've 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 seriously I've sat through stuff um like that with VP Racing Fuels where they sit me down and actually teach me why their fuel does what it does and how it does what it does so that when uh I can cry from the mountaintops use the fuel but if I don't tell them why to use the fuel or what the features and benefits of that fuel is um, no one's going to get that message. It's the same reason why when they, uh, when you do you hear a car ad, they don't just tell you like buy the brand new Honda Civic. They tell you about each new feature that's available in the Honda Civic and why that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, come on. It, it, it's true. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and, and the average person, what happens when you get new boots, right? I, uh, hey, thanks, Axo. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I just got these sweet new boots from Axo. Aren't they sick? And you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, Yeah. brand new boots, regardless of what brand it is, look sick. They're brand new boots. Come on now. Um, But if you're like, brand new boots from Axo, they're light, they're durable. I can't believe the way my foot grips the the foot peg. I feel like I'm on (sighs) Velcro right now. I can transfer my weight better than any other boot that I've ever been in. And that's why you guys need to go out and buy this boot. Like, oh wow, yeah. that's and a here, whole lot and, more effective. Yeah, and if you and let's use a little scarcity, let's even take it next level, which isn't that you know isn't that big of a deal. You say, hey, tell you what, if you use my code, you know, Adam Entignap seven deuce deuce, or just use seven deuce deuce, you're gonna get an extra fifty percent off if you use it in the next twenty four hours. Boom! Now there's scarcity. Now you've now you've increased the chance of someone taking action because if you don't give them a call to action, they're not gonna take an action. You gotta tell For people sure. what to do. People don't understand that. You know, and so I, I agree with you 100%. I, I wish, I wish there was something that we could do to each one of us, like piggyback with a brand and say, "Hey guys, I'm going to go to all these races, even if you throw me 100 bucks, 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. I'll do some videos for all these guys. I will feed them what to say. I will tell them what to say. I will hold up a freaking pit board that tells them what to say. For sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, absolutely. And you would change it's... the industry. You. You would change the industry if you had five guys doing that. I'll go oh, for sure. And and they they five have guys. guys like that. There's those gear guys. There's goggle guys. But I I firmly I I don't see those guys. And maybe maybe they do it, and I don't see them doing it. I don't see those guys sitting down with their rider and be like, "Hey, this is why you're in this gear this weekend. It's a limited time offer. This is limited edition gear. It's only going to be available. Like people need to get on it before." 
April 30th. Otherwise, it's going to be gone. So, like, if anyone asks you about this gear, this is a limited run. This is why we chose this color. And if they don't, if they don't grab this gear by April 30th, they're going to be SOL. That would actually sell some gear rather than like, all right, this is a uh, check out this new color I got for you. Okay, sick. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it. But but the reason this happens is that in this world, what I feel is that you are taught from a very a very young age a couple things. One, you're taught to not speak to strangers. Do you sure. know what I've done more than anything with my random acts of kindness? I speak to strangers. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I've had more joy speaking to strangers than I have not speaking to strangers. So that was a line of crap. So stop that thinking of don't talk to strangers. Number two, you've been told that you need to fit in. Well, little Johnny, you know, sits straight and little Johnny does this. So you should do what little Johnny does. So then we get a bunch of little Johnnies doing what everyone else is doing. And that's what's happened in the motocross industry is everyone just does what everyone else does. Right. And it's like, when is there going to be someone that disrupts that mentality and comes out and says, this is what I'm going to do. And I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you who it is because I'm, 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 I'm grooming him right now. Brandon Gregoire, number 93, mm-hmm. he does two to three videos a week that are very similar to mine, that are inspirational. I'm positioning him as an influencer. And then what we're going to do is we're going to start adding some products with a feature and benefit, everything we talked about. And I'm going to make him do this because I want him to succeed. And if he is 15th place at a national, I want him to be the one that is making more than the fifth place guy because we are influencers. We know how to do the future benefit. We are marketing. We are using our social media to help those people who help us. And you wait and see, mark my words. We can play this podcast in about three to five years. And you tell me if I didn't deliver. Oh, uh, we will definitely replay this uh, in five years. I do (laughs) end up putting out some, uh, some best ofs every once in a while. I hope people listening to this also uh, roll back the clocks a little bit and check out the interview I did with steamed Lamson back in 2015, um, which is, which is, uh, which is a great interview. Uh, Not enough people have checked that episode out. So I re-released it for people to uh, not have to dig so far back to go grab it. But uh, um, yeah, no, you're preaching to the choir, my friend. Uh, If actually like, if anyone is proof of this, like like proof of, of of what your method works, is the fact that like I am a mid class or mid mid pack B rider uh, from Canada who uh, has mm-hmm. very few motocross accolades to my to my credit. Um, I'm just a huge motocross nerd. I love the sport and I'm just completely passionate about it. And I understand sales. Um, and I've slowly but surely developed my little empire uh where um i'm able to go to california and enjoy the industry and i can i get pulled in by it and i can make some money uh not a full living but i can make i can make money off of this sport and and enjoy it and and there's there's so many great things that i i I enjoy through this sport that um many people don't get to um but there's nothing incredibly special about the way that i do things i just have the courage to ask for the sale and ask for the interviews and, and put in the work to do the interviews. And, uh, I'd, I'd like to kind of finish with that little point that you had there that, uh, everyone wants to be like little Johnny. No one wants to stand out from the herd, but I'll, uh, I'll give you this for example, rock stars are never little Johnny. I don't know a single fantastic personality, fantastic person who just fits the every man's mold. So if you want, if 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 you don't want to be fantastic, if you don't want to achieve amazing things, be like everybody else. But if you want to, 
If you want to uh, achieve amazing things and if you want to do world's firsts and if you want to stand out, you got to cut yourself out of the herd. You have to be different. You have to know more things. You need to do all of the things that other people aren't willing to do because if you do those things, you'll be successful and it starts with random acts of conf- uh, random acts of kindness. It starts with rack racing. They need to check out rack racing on Instagram right now and continue along with that. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight, Jay. Yeah, thanks so much. And we're, so it's at rack. So just a reminder, it's at rack racing, which is R-A-K, yeah. R-A-C-K. So R-A-K racing. And really what you want to do is you want to watch daily every morning on the East Coast, uh, usually between like 6.30 and 9 a.m. ish. I do uh, something, I either do um, an inspirational message usually that's either life related or motocross related because there's a lot of overlap. You need to train your life right so that your off-track life sets the tone for your on-track life. And um, basically, just uh, we, we do almost a video every single day. And then sometimes uh, those videos become random acts of kindness. Sometimes they're inspirational. Sometimes we might do uh, some interviews at a track. I mean, you never know what you're going to get because I don't know what's going to happen. I just always look for positivity, always look to help someone else, and always just try to spread a little bit of joy and just let it ride and see where it ends up. Let it ride, my friend. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This has been a, uh, a energy-packed podcast. Got my juices flowing, my friend. Got my my uh, just just a little bit more excited about things than I, I was rolling into this after a long, hard day of uh, of, of work and construction. But uh, yeah, I can't, I can't uh, thank you enough for coming on. Um, let, let's let's continue this conversation uh, again. Let's have you on the podcast, uh, and uh, and and maybe we can even. Uh, put some random acts of kindness in the podcast at some point. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the days to come. But uh, Jay, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brad. And uh, keep pushing and uh, do your thing and and let that macchiato life serve you well, brother. I love it. I love that story. Absolutely, my friend. Well, uh, Jay Cavanaugh here on the Big MX radio podcast show brought to you by FMF, the Fast House. And of course, the collective experience. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, thanking you so much for listening to this podcast. Jay Kavanaugh, you've been awesome, my friend. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Since 1973, FMF has been about getting more out of riding motorcycles. More power, more wins, more fun. For 39 years, we've been rolling up our sleeves, building our factory, engineering and manufacturing the world's finest performance exhausts. Innovation in American craftsmanship makes FMF today's leader in performance. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. I can just let go. Put our middle fingers up with a smile and let it roll. It's not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 805. I got into this can. I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer's even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun, and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there, 
throw down. I did it my way and it's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her and I'm got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being a winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. I don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point and kind of realizing, let's just have fun. That's what my old man did, and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted. It's an ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This Fast House crew is going to break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some. Next caller. Next caller on the line. Uh, we're online here with Westerly Williams. Westerly, uh, what is your favorite color? Uh, green and and blue and yellow. Green, blue, and yellow. Uh, so you're just like straight up jack bikes, and you're just leaving Honda out. Um, actually, I, if I'm going to be discriminatory, then I actually like KTM. But hey. Yeah, yeah. So I like orange. Or, orange. Final answer. Is it? Is that right? We have got ourselves a winner. You got a, a two day yes. pass all the way to Ichikani Ranch. Yes. Yes. For the reunion yes. 2017, we're gonna ship you back in time, my friend. Hey, believe it or not, I had a 2001 KTM 125. Did you? So I've I've been a long time. Uh, Ripper on the 125 shredder. I like uh, it. And Stank Dog this past weekend had the orange, uh, the gray fenders on his bike, uh, KTM, and I knew exactly what year it was. And I was like, man, you're you're rocking 01, man. I like it. Yeah, no, that's sweet. No, I, I love that look. Actually, I grew up. There was a local company uh, where their their lo- their colors were uh, orange or they were red, blue, and silver, and uh, they sponsored the local pro team that all rode K- KTM so that they had these K- KTM's silver front fender blue hand guards these red and blue shrouds and our orange back fender I thought it was the coolest looking bike that, that sounds like a lot of colors going on I'm not sure that's the sleekest great length since 01 KTM but no. hey no <laughs> not even a little bit that sounds like more like a rainbow but hey I mean hey if, if you loved it you loved it we know where you we know your style absolutely that the kitchen craft KTMs uh back in the day but uh is that uh, really what they were called yeah kitchen crafts uh for, there was the Greg's KTM kitchen craft team and uh they were uh, actually I don't know if you remember I mean, you'd probably seen him around you remember David Buller oh yeah yeah his parents owned he's a Georgia boy craft. yeah 
He was originally from Winnipeg. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, his parents owned he, a he was on, uh, kitchen cabinets. He was on cabinets. Greg's Craft KTM. Oh, for sure. I'm going to see if I can find a picture I'll send it to you at some point. But uh, um, off to a, a flying start with this podcast. Uh, we're an eagle, bro. I'll, I'll just absolutely just uh, I'll throw in my intro in post-production. No big deal. We'll just jump Perfect. straight into this thing. Um, quick story time. <laughs> I recently saw a very picturesque picture of a motocross track, and I picked it out immediately as to what track it was. Quick story time with you, Garrett Marchbanks, Utah. Oh, that yeah. amazing um, edit or the, the segment that you did with him in Utah. Uh, track was gorgeous. Uh, it's a super mini edit, which I'm always a fan of because I love those mini rippers. Uh, tell me about uh, filming there that day. Man, it, it's pretty cool. So uh, even to tie this into strength rhythm, just Jim, uh, Spence Luxack, uh, which it's his track in Utah. Right. Uh, he was there. It was his KT, or KX125 that AJ Cottonzaro was riding. So um, I got to hang out with them all week and talk about how sick the track is. And if anybody saw any of the lead-up content of AJ getting ready for straight rhythm, he was ripping it at that same track. It's right. freaking beautiful if you haven't checked it out. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. I, I was shooting the War Machines movie, and uh, we were also doing the first few uh, 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 magazines. I, I guess they weren't magazines, but we were doing the first meta whatever you want to call it, books, uh, I think is what we're calling coffee them. So books. I think we were on like, we were, uh, yeah, coffee table books. There you go. So uh, it was back when I was still involved with that. And I think we were on issue two and we had a feature in there called, um, shit, it's been too long. I'm sorry. My memory's shot. But uh, <laughs> either way, we, it Brett was, Smith it was like where we went and found like really, yeah. <laughs> well, or, yeah, it was before Brett even got really involved too much. But Fair anyways, we had a uh, uh, a piece in there where we shot just badass photos of a local track or, you know, some track that was just super dreamy. So the first one we ever did was Dirt Park. And so uh, also War Machines, I went and shot there with Tim Geiser. And then the next one we did was, the, um, it's called Wanship or there in Wanship, Utah. So uh, I went and shot there with Garrett for War Machine, so it, it was just happenstance that I, I happened to be in both parts of those worlds uh, in the world and was able to go and shoot videos of them, even though I wasn't the one that shot the photos for the articles in the magazine. I just happened to know of the tracks because of what the features we did in the magazine, so I was like, I have to go to these places. Fair enough. So how does that track in Utah compare to the uh, the garbage dump that you uh, filmed at with Arno Tonis in Switzerland. <laughs> well, the, what's like that track is what Arno used to ride. Like, I know religiously. It, it's crazy. The track was so shit, but like so picturesque at the same time. And it like you know while it was so shit, it was almost art art in a sense because I could not believe how fast he could go on this track. That was just bone dry. Yeah, rock hard. And square edge looks bumps like a shit on every and single dude, he face. Just, and he's just able to freaking throw the bike around like nothing I'd ever seen. And uh and same with same with Dirt Park really when we shot with Tim, like but those tracks were just so hard packed, like the smallest square edge bumps, like I just I would have died the first lap and I don't know, those dudes just know how to freaking ride as evident, uh of the motocross of nations, these guys um all around the world seem to know how to ride motocross tracks. So yeah, but, uh, either way, I guess I'm pretty lucky to pretty go go see some pretty pretty bitchin' tracks. 
Heck yeah. And, and speaking of eating crap on the first lap, when was the last time that you uh, got some throttle therapy of your own? I know you're a guy who still loves Shit, to ride, it, but it, it doesn't do enough. It, it's probably the last time I talked to you, bro. Or Shit. maybe not the last time, but one of the last times. I, I think we, before the MX reunion race last year in November, Yeah, I had I talked to you and uh, I was actually at the race. And yeah, I think that's a, that was the last time I swung the leg over my, over the bike. Um, but if I'm going to tell you the truth, it's because my uh, my my partner and great friend Will Posey uh, got hurt right when we got back from a, a huge project in the car this year. He was ripping an arena cross track and uh, and freaking paralyzed himself from the waist down. And, and honestly, that's like my worst fear ever. And uh, mm-hmm. ever I I don't know. I've had a, a couple really close friends have that happen to them. And and it's really why I don't ride anymore. It scares the absolute shit out of me. So it's, you know, if I don't have the time and and ability and effort to put in and be strong enough on the bike, I just feel like I have no business riding one. So, because the problem is like, you always remember how to go as fast as you used to and you get on the bike and you want to go that fast, but you have no business going that fast. So, you know, I, I just try to, I'm like, you know what, Wes, you're 32 now. You're not 18. Like, you don't need it. Go ride your mountain bike, go snowboard, you'll have fun. Absolutely. Hey, if you can get some uh, some time on the mountains, that is also a good time. But uh, the main reason I wanted to bring you on this podcast, not com- uh, just uh, incoherent rambling, which we're pretty damn good at. Um, <laughs> Dude, I could talk all day. All day, all day, and usually we do. <laughs> um, but uh, I want to talk, bring up a specific time that you happen to be on the direct motocross or it was the the dead motocrossers society uh podcast in december of 2017 maybe even before that um okay when you had you had mentioned getting travis pastrana on team puerto rico it was just like a like shot in the dark offhand comment that got like it, it literally like you, you came out of your mouth and then immediately like i think eyes were like that'd be cool and then it just died and then um <laughs> spin the clocks forward 10 months um, people that are yelling Puerto Rico and uh, basically stealing the show, mainly because Team USA Team USA didn't show up. Um, but it it was a fantastic thing, and honestly, like, did this thing just pop out of your brain and all of a sudden just take the world by storm, or what? It I don't you know it's funny I never remember mentioning that, but that's that's crazy that that stood out in your mind because that. I, so it, it, it was, I, I cannot uh, claim that being the brainchild for the idea, although it's an amazing one. I wish I could say, yeah, it was totally my idea. But uh, honestly, it, it was 100% Ronnie Mack's idea. Um, and he started talking to uh, Jeremy at Red Bull and said, hey, man, like it was after, you know, the, the massive hype of straight rhythm last year. And um, they brought the idea to me and said, hey, like we could probably let's ask Travis if this is possible because Ronnie wanted to full, fully do it. And we we just talked it through and said, it's so outlandish, so crazy that, you know, I, I feel like we could get a lot of people on board for this. And, uh, yeah, everybody yes, loved the idea. Did. And, 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 and what, what's crazy, you know, it, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. It, 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 Motocross Nations being here in America, we had some great people lined up that were, were willing to do it. You know, the stars were just aligning to be a, a project that just can never ever be replicated uh, anywhere else for another motocross nation. You know, it only wor- would work in Redbud, Michigan for, for the, for the project that we wanted to do, you know, Ronnie's full, full American, you know, it's, it would have been his one and only shot to really be able to show the world that, you know, he really was the fastest man on the planet. And unfortunately we didn't, we didn't get to see that. I mean, I Absolutely. think he could have won 
you know, he could have really carried Puerto Rico to, you know, maybe a top five finish, but you know, we'll, we'll never know. Right. Absolutely. If, uh, if Glenn Coldenhoff can go one, one, I can't see why Wanya Mack wouldn't be able to do the same. Um, I think th- he would have, he would have just been skating on top of the mud. The CR two fifty so damn white, dude, he oh. would have been greasing the Morocco's leap every lap. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, they should have let him race. Absolutely. They should have, they would have been that, uh, clean, crisp sound out of that FMF gnarly exhaust most likely mixed with maxima 927 because if you don't mix with maxima 927 you run the risk of not smelling great and your and uh possible uh, detrimental to your engine um uh-huh. i run 927 in every can of fuel i assume you do as well and i won't accept anything else <laughs> well i usually what what's funny is like I, since i don't ride enough the gas can always the gas goes bad so i'm like the homeless guy at the track i'm like hey man can I can I borrow a tank of gas and like by borrow can I just use your gas can and fill up mine? Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> yeah, by borrow I mean to steal and not give back. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, well, I, seriously, the last few times and like I'll get to the track, pop off my seat, and be like, do I do I really need to change this air filter from a year ago? Yeah. And then I'm like, eh. and then if I if it's a yes, then I'll you know go go to the the shop down at the corner of the row and be like, Hey man, you got any air filters like, for an maybe 05 a one? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. May- Could I bring the bike over here and you actually put it in for me? Well, here, yeah, here's I'm, I'm the that lazy guy too. That's, that's another reason I don't ride, man. It's just too much work. It is a day of riding is, is a whole ordeal, but uh, that's one of the beautiful things about motocross is um, if you're part of the community, uh, first you got to put kind of put a little bit of a foundation, lay some groundwork. But after that, like you don't even really even need to own a motocross bike to ride on a quasi regular basis. I've right. shown, I've shown up to a motocross track with no boots, no helmet, no gear, no bike, different times all separately, and didn't stop me from not spinning laps not one time. Um, in, in fact, I had a, there was a benefit ride for a friend of mine who'd passed away while riding about three years ago. I lost the keys to the storage unit that had my bike in it, so I'm like, you know what? I'm driving. I'm driving out to this track. I'm a complete loser with no dirt bike, but I uh, got to go for the ride for Danny. And um, yeah, someone loaned me a bike side unseen. I hadn't even parked yet, and I knew what bike I was going to be riding for the rest of that particular day. Um, that's just the, that. That speaks volumes. Just like the community of motocross, and I think we saw a little yeah, bit of that absolutely. come back a little bit uh, this last weekend in uh, in Pasadena. Yeah, man. How how about that too, man? Dude, I, I had it. I I had a smile on my face the entire time, and I the the Red Bull people were like, "Hey, Wes, would you mind making like an old school like just punk rock verb edit on the weekend?" And I was like, "You know what? That sounds pretty fun." So in in my old verb style, I was throwing the camera in the faces of the dudes after they're coming off their their races and stuff, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've tried to do that in the pros before, uh, with the verb reduxes and stuff that we used to do. And it's really hard to get cool, fun emotion from the guys after, after motos. Cause they're not having fun. They're freaking miserable. And it's like, yo, Dunge, man, epic race. Tell me about it. And he'd be like, yeah, man, that was sick. But <laughs> Red Bull straight away, dude, like Bill Poto, Dunge, every, every one of them, I pull them over on the side of the track and be like, oh my gosh, dude, that was so much fun. I can't believe it. All right. I got to get back down there and do this again. It's so sick. So it, it speaks volumes that the riders had that much fun. It just, I wish, I wish that everybody would see that. Like imagine Anderson or the, you know, Bobby Hewitt's, uh, the Husqvarna team. Like imagine all those dudes being like, you know what? 
that looks like the time of my life. I have to be there. I don't care what Husqvarna says. I don't care what Kawasaki says. I need to be there. For sure. Because, yeah, man, I, I, that, it's what the fans yeah. need. It's what our sport needs. Our, like, the fun is what we need to grow. Like, it's obvious and it's evident that there's something wrong with our sport. It's not growing. It's dying. We're, like, they can say viewership's going up all they want, but... I, you know, I, that doesn't, I, I not had a nice website at one point in time. The, the, the views are not what they used to be. So you're like, yeah, maybe TV viewership is going up a little bit, but I can tell you overall fascination with our sport is not there. For sure. Uh, like uh, uh, a pop quiz. And I know you don't know the answer cause you don't live in Manitoba. Uh, do you know how many guys that we had in the, in the 450 C class this year in Manitoba? Well, C class is always big, so I'm going to say it was decent. Mm. Yeah, three. No. Oh my gosh, dude. That's a problem. That's crazy. That's it's a, a huge problem. That's a problem. We had five guys in the 450B class. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. I I look back at videos when I used to race locally in like oh three oh four, and even dude, I, when I pull up videos of Ponca City world mini and all that, like trying to find archive footage. I just cannot believe the amount of kids that used to race. I, I got earlier this year, I found my 2005 link with me event DVD that I made mm-hmm. back then. And like I covered every single class pretty much, but like dude, 85, 12 to 13 would come on and it'd be division one, division two, division three, division four. And I, and every single one of them full, full goes. Are you, you t- 40 dudes per gate? Yeah. So, oh, it's, it's 160, 160 riders get narrowed down to the final in the amateur race. You know, that's how big amateur racing used to be, man. It's it's insane, and I I, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. I don't have the answer. I, I you know, it's a, it's a massive problem. At some point in time, we're going to have to tackle. Otherwise, yeah, the pro race is going to be the only only thing that survives. Yeah, oh, it, it's it's definitely got some layers in it, uh, and uh, and one day we'll all get tackled. Uh, but honestly, yeah, like I I recall two thousand four, two thousand five, one twenty five junior, which is basically our our B class locally, uh, had ninety five kids show up for that class. Oh, that's so, insanity. So that means fifty five kids. Like we had qualifiers in the morning. You run a heat race and an LCQ. All the top 40 go to the main event in the afternoon scoring double points. That means if you got dead last in that race, you would be you were faster than 55 kids that showed up in that class. Like, that's just like I tell people that, like locally, like because they haven't been around for a while. Like, they, they just started racing. And I tell them that story and they look at me like I have three heads because they're like, but we have 12 guys in that race. Like everyone gets points, right? Like that's how it works. Like, yeah. No. no. I grew up like wishing that I could be in the program because that mean, meant I got points on a super mini. Like, yeah, right. You know, I mean, completely different. But uh, before we, uh, it, we just just get into way too much of just the dull. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's a wormhole there, isn't it? Oh, it, it, we, we could we could get uh, some some therapy sessions going over that. But uh, um, I don't feel like we t- we paid enough attention to just that okay. whole program with backtrack, the backtrack. Uh, back up a little bit with this team Puerto Rico thing. Travis okay, yep. Pastrana, like, so, pardon my English, but Travis fucking Pastrana, Pastrana. like, it, it, here we it, are at okay, the Mo so, Cross Nations, ready to do some practice. I hope he threw that down at some point. So, <laughs> what's crazy is, like, they told me about this idea November, December last year, whatever. I was like, okay, I, you got me, I, I'm on, I'm on the hook, let's see, I was like, call Travis, see if there's any interest, like, obviously, if Travis is, then I'm in. 
So, I don't know, two weeks later, they said, dude, Travis is in. I'm like, yeah, right. No, dude, Travis is in. And I was like, huh. And then it didn't take but a few phone calls. We had Ryan Villapoto fully locked on as well. So it was supposed to be Villapoto, Pastrana, all Ronnie Mack, dude. We could have won motocross nations on 125. You know, of course, it was dry. Um but yeah, uh, unfortunately, Villapoto had a few sponsors that didn't uh, really want him involved. So Weird. we uh, we went back to the drawing board and uh, we tried to get Kate up for the third rider uh, on the 125. Believe it or not, and uh, <laughs> on a YZ 120, it, 2000, a, a, a 97. Well, I mean, YZ 125. I'm sure. Well, no, well, I mean, Kate up. If K-Dub would have been racing, he yeah, CR125, what? I mean, yeah, whatever model he wanted. 07. But I'm sure he, he would have been – he ended up racing a 450 anyway, so I'm sure he would have said, no, I'm racing a 250F. But yeah. anyways, he, he didn't really want to do it uh, at all, so then we called Sipes. And so Sipes was like, dude, hell yes, I'm in. Yeah, he answered so, yeah, yes before you asked him. Yeah, right. He did, he, he was all about it. So, um, so he, he was on board, and then obviously – uh, a bunch of shit went down, and then uh, they they ended up calling Kevin back to replace Ronnie and uh, okay. and racing the racing the you know he got to ride the 450 at that point in time, so we didn't stick old big old kid up on a one two five, but it, mm. that would have been a sight to see as well. Oh yeah, it would have like the the fact that uh, you like, I don't know how you'd spring that properly uh, for his current speed and weight, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like it, it was amazing to see. Kevin Windham literally come out of the jungle. Um, yeah, it's crazy, to, huh? All, all Forrest Gump, dude. For sure. And, like, like, were you responsible for that? Like, who, who filmed that? No, no. So, so once the whole thing with, with Ronnie fell through, uh, Nitro, Nitro pull, ended up pulling out um, just a lot of circumstances that sucked, honestly. Um, mm. which I, I don't really want to get into all that. Nah, but yeah, negative uh, stuff. Blah, blah. Negative stuff, yeah. And anyways... Um, Nitro pretty much said that they couldn't be involved anymore, and uh, so it, it sucks. I mean, dude, we had some through Nitro. Um, we were working on this whole documentary uh, through through the whole process, man. We'd spent a lot of money and a lot of time, a lot of effort, man. We 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 did we had <laughs> big money and big distribution, and and what we had lined up for this whole project was would have been a huge huge deal for motocross. So. It's really unfortunate that things went down the way they did because, you know, motocross doesn't realize the potential eyeballs that they missed out on uh, by saying, by, you know, ultimately shunning Ronnie Mack and Mm -hmm. saying he couldn't do it. So, you know, it's like, yeah, our sport isn't WWE and all that kind of shit, but you know what? We need something. And this was a huge, big out of the box idea that, that would have, would have, gone global mm-hmm. and big time distribution definitely and, and ps wwe um, makes lots of money yeah yeah i mean yeah our sport's not that but guess what they make a lot more money than us and they pack out stadiums too don't they so yeah, they do <laughs> i don't know like i did am i am i a fan of going that way no of course not like you can't do that all the time but circus, guess what but... we're yeah. you know if, if it mean if it means millions of people getting to see a theatrical release you I don't know. I, if if our sport needs eyeballs and it needs money and needs sponsors, like I, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of short sighted to uh, to say no to no to what we had going on. So, anyway, the X Games to get back to the theaters? original point. 
<laughs> What's that? Remember that like there was an X Games video that went to uh, and went to the uh, the IMAX way back in like mm, 2003. Yeah, I want to say. I, I, I do see. I, I do seem to recall that. That was massive, and was uh, we haven't seen. I don't think we've seen something that big in motocross like just like that many eyeballs on people riding dirt bikes since. And and you know what, Ronnie isn't the best influence, and he may not be the best thing for the sport. But guess what? Look at the the views he pulls on YouTube, mm-hmm. and look at the amount of merch he sells. The out, the people that come and talk to him, people outside our sport love that kind of shit. And it, it's I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence of like, yeah, he pushes it too far. But the things that this project had him doing, like he was going to full circle himself back into. The, the drunk, fun-loving redneck that everybody loved in, in 2008 when it all started. Uh, you know, there was going to be a huge transformation of Ron, and and our, our, our script was amazing. So, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see how the, all that panned out and, and the good that Ron could actually do for the USA, Puerto Rico, the world. Like, you know, he was going to send a, a pretty bitchin' message across the board. Um, so... It, yeah, again, there's just so much that, that the world doesn't even know that, that the, the project could have been. But, you know, what can you do? Um, Nothing. At, at the end of the day, I, I it still ended up being an amazing success. I, you know, getting Wyndham Pastrana and Sipes on the team, freaking amazing. Like, you know, as a Winning fan, the I'm B-Main? Oh, my God. Dude, dude like, that B-Main. Like, I was literally jumping up and down by myself in my living room in <laughs> my sick, single right? bed, like, bedroom it, apartment. It, it made me, it's the only reason I wanted to be there that weekend. It, it looked muddy as hell, so I was like, thank God I'm not there filming. I, I, it would have been miserable. But watching them do that, I was like, well, that's just icing on the cake. How So cool. So, you know, and at least it ended up being awesome. But unfortunately, because of the whole Ronnie thing, how that, when it went down, like the, the whole movie thing kind of got cut short because everything we filmed, everything we scripted, everything that we lined up, all the money that we spent spent time and effort and money on was pretty much down the drain. We would have to start from scratch. Yeah. And it, I mean, we're talking a lot of money. And so, you know, it was just one of those things I, I, I couldn't push forward and, you know, unless I found an investor to come and replace everything I'd already spent. So, uh, and not to mention, okay, Hey, you guys got a month to train for motocross nations now. And we got to refilm a whole movie in a month. Like it just, it wasn't plausible at that point in time. So, yeah. you know, it's just one of those things where, us and Nitro kind of said, hey, you know, it's, the movie's pretty much off the table at this point. Just it doesn't make sense anymore. So the yeah. project was still an amazing success. And I, I talked to Dove at Nitro uh, this week, and it looks like they still made quite a bit of money to give back and donate to Puerto Rico. And uh, I, I know they plan on going down there in December and, and doing as much good as they can. That's cool. Yeah, and and, no. uh, and and you're you're no stranger to ridiculous time schedules and and make and pulling rabbits out of your hat. So it must have been uh, extra uh, exponentially uh, out of the question for you not to tackle it because uh, you, as well as I know, uh, you've you've woken up at the crack of new or crack of dawn uh, and only to uh, see the sunrise once again before you're done working for for the day. Uh, working on these projects and stuff like <laughs> well, that, and uh, I was going to ask you said you did it. It would be uh, it, it would stuff. be hard to turn turn around six or seven months worth of work into yes. a month. You know, it just it wasn't possible. Totally, and it, it comes out like the amount of and time right. and effort and, and money. It just it, it turned into one of those things. Like, okay, is this possible? Could it have been? Yes, but I just you know without with losing Ron in the whole project, I just think the the scale of what it could be outside of motocross. Like, yeah, we could still made a 
great motocross documentary that 5,000 people would have bought. But guess what? 5,000 people buying a $10 movie covers a fifth of the cost of the thing. So, exactly. you know, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I could stay up all night every night for a month. But guess what? Like, what, what's the payoff? None. For sure, I was gonna say been like there, uh, been there, done that. When you mentioned it, like you you did uh, straight over them verb style, does that mean you did it pro bono? Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> like it was like oh, I'm no. gonna do it completely verb style. I'm gonna eat to- peanut butter and jelly, eat top ramen, and I will not accept money. <laughs> no, no, uh, <laughs> no. But 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 I will say like you know it. I still work as hard as ever and so did so does my crew so like me will and my boy crane all from the birthdays we we sat in the uh in the edit trailer till 3 a.m most mornings getting ready uh, getting all the everything you saw on tv that wasn't live we did so it was you know it was still a very very treacherous week man we pulled some freaking loretta lens hours where it's like okay shoot all day edit all night that's insane so there's still I, there, there's still days I can pull it out. I can't do that every weekend like I used to. But like when when we got to put put on the edit faces, we can. Absolutely, and uh, you've been uh, the reason why we're doing this late in the week is because you've been buried in it doing that all week, my friend. And uh, I, I'm sure, uh, yeah, you're still like, capable of those kind of types of hours. Definitely makes it a little bit easier when there are some dollar signs on the other end of that. But um, <laughs> just the the overall sense and the vibe of this last weekend's race in uh, Pasadena, uh, smiles on the riders' faces, smiles on the fans' faces, uh, smiles on the pr- promoters. Like everybody yep. won. There was like they might as well have handed out uh, sixty thousand trophies this last weekend because <laughs> it's there was seriously, dude. yeah, there was memories, there was nostalgia, there was uh, how, throwbacks. How were the races? Tributes. Every single one. Yeah, every single race. And like I, I can't help but think that like I just, there there was something that we kind of we've gone away from, and I know you're uh, like I, I like people are like, all right you're like they're they're tired of hearing me say it, but bring back those two strokes and bring back a whole lot more fun. Bring back uh, um, mistakes while you're riding. Like it actually takes like yep. someone someone who like on paper or say like uh, on four stroke uh, maybe couldn't like uh, can AJ Catanzaro beat. Uh, Ryan Villapoto in a straight up race for on four fifties, probably not one twenty fives. Let's see. Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's a really cool thing. I, I, uh, I talked to Shane McElrath who surprisingly, um, he, he, he enjoyed riding the, the, the two fifty, but, uh, he wishes that maybe he didn't have to, uh, like he was like, I was, he was surprised. I wasn't say surprisingly negative. He was just like, like. I didn't really think about it in, in this perspective of the fact that these guys don't ride these things very often and they, they're expected to go out there and look like they ride one every other weekend. Um, yeah. So that, that in itself is a little bit difficult for them, but like just the, the sound, the, like, I don't care what you say, a, a, a still image of a bike going through the whoop section, two stroke, four stroke. It just looks better. Like that big on the you don't go oh, like yeah. the opposite of the pipe side where you have that uh, the big donut on the side of the <laughs> yeah. two fifty two stroke like Dungey's p- pipe looked so good look that thing looked horny I like I, I screenshot <laughs> it I zoomed in I put it on my big screen that's Touch what kind yourself. of weekend it was yeah understandable dude yeah like tell me about this weekend I wasn't there 
Oh, yeah. You're right. All the riders, especially, I think, hated it at first. But as they got to ride it more and more, the better they got it. It did surprise me when we were doing all their interviews, uh, like the profile interviews for TV. Everybody's like, either I've ridden the bike one time or I haven't even ridden it yet. And it's like, wait, you got you did ride this for at least a week? And so yeah, that I think Dunn and Bill Poto had a little bit. Like Jordan and Shane had ridden one practice session on them. Yeah, they said 30 minutes. Yeah, so, you know, it, it was pretty surprising that they hadn't, but, I mean, shit, you, by the end of that race, you wouldn't know, huh? Like, no, Shane exactly. and Jordan, like, every single one of them, they did look like they raced them every week, and they looked so badass. But, unfortunately, they don't, now they know what a four-stroke produces. They know how lazy they can be on a four-stroke. They want nothing but the four-stroke. So, you know, on the rider's standpoint, why would they ever want to go back? On a fan perspective, we're like, dude, get rid of the four strokes, and we've just solved a lot of problems. So we got back to affordable bikes. Mm-hmm. Now we're going half the speed, a lot, which means what? A lot less crashing, a lot yeah. less people getting more, hurt. More collarbones and less paralyzed. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, it's funny. Like, just asking Bill Poto about riding the 125, and he, he was like, man, it's crazy. Like you feel like you're going so fast on the 125, but you're going so damn slow that like even when you crash, if you're going as fast as you can, it's hard to get hurt. Versus throw someone on a 250F, that thing can go fast as shit, man. You crash, you're gonna get hurt. Yeah. So sure. you know, I don't know. I I think it, obviously it's a freaking pipe dream. It'll never happen. But imagine if two strokes did come back. Like, you would have better racing. You'd have more smiles, you'd have more fun, and better sounds. I, I don't know. It's a win-win-win across the board. Yeah, oh, yeah. But it'll never happen. No, it, it's, it's unfortunate the, the, for, the, for that fact. But, yeah, like uh, the fact is um, on, a, on a 250F or a 450, um, I think the most dangerous things about those bikes is that they're so easy to ride. When you have no business doing that big mm-hmm. technical yep. jump on the backside of the track, uh, you can just sort of lean into the face and hit it as hard as you yep. can, and like, oh, that's that's how hard so and so in the pro class did it, and all of a sudden you're on yep. your head. Whereas, like, because because the way that, that that jump actually is, is that you have to you have to grease the section before it, rail the corner right. before that jump, and then be on the gas all the way up the face of that jump to make it go right. Yep. On a, like say, and on especially two straight, it's, especially at a, at a straight rhythm, like you have yeah. to be in the right RPMs. Like you don't have this power band from zero RPM all the way to 12,000. Like you got to be in that seven, 8,000, that power band range, make sure that purple power band's really hitting in order to hit the next section. Like it takes a talented rider and like, you know, it gives you another thing to have to think about making sure you're in the right, right, uh, right, right part of the power curve. Right. So it's, uh, it was a whole de- different art of riding a two-stroke. I mean, yeah, I don't know. When when I was building all these 90s videos for Red Bull uh, leading up to straight rhythm, like we had some a lot of Supercross footage that we were trying to use. Right. Um, and, and I was just watching Stewie rip the 125 and Supercross, like 0203. And it was just unbelievable, his corner speed, forward momentum, how he just kept the bike moving so fast. And... I, it was an art form, man, and I, I just don't feel like you get that on a four-stroke anymore, ever. No, not even, like, even, like, like peak stew on a four-stroke is, to me, like, visibly less impressive than peak stew on a one-two-five, uh, and that's just my opinion. I 100% agree, 100% agree. The funny thing about the racing this weekend, uh, this past weekend, is that, like, I thought with two-strokes, the only fatal flaw of that scenario is... With making mistakes, you'll have races that like, oh, that guy blew that guy out of the water. 
But the funny thing is, is that both both sides would make small mistakes, and small what they mistakes, would end up, absolutely. They would end up yep. basically neck and neck. Like there's a uh, yep. um, there's one that uh, Ryan Surratt. Like it looks like he's a hundred miles behind, and then by the time he's crossing the finish line, him and AJ Catanzaro are neck and neck. Like it was, it yep. was a really cool dynamic that way. Where like, oh shit, that guy like just lost like two seconds in that one section. They're like, oh, and now he just got it back by blitzing the whoops way faster. Especially in the 125s, I feel like that happened in just about every race. That's why yeah. we saw three three races in just about every single uh, bracket, right? I love it. So it, it was so badass, man. And every single race, I feel like, came down to the damn whoops, dude. And like Ryan Villapoto, that's where he was so damn fast. So like he just come in there fifth gear pinned yeah and uh it makes some epic time i i dude i don't know i could yeah. i could have watched that all freaking day yeah. i can yeah. tell you i've been filming it since the very first event and normally i don't turn on the camera to get like extra footage until pretty much the middle of the semifinals. Mm-hmm. i filmed every freaking race from the first one until the last one and, and this is after like the most gnarly 72 hours i've done in the past three years so the fact that I stayed out there and filmed every single race just shows even, you know, the fan side of me, I couldn't get enough of it. For sure. And I think it, it was really cool that it brought out people's creativity. Like it was like, like we had more cool tribute one-off bike yep. slash rider get-ups than we ever have for any of yep. the, uh, like the, uh, honestly, it's a, the, the, the shame of it. Like they don't even pull out all this, these kind of stops for the military nights. Like yep. this, like yeah, like all of like the 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 McGrath throwbacks, the helmets, oh, so good. The, the even the TLD one-off gear, like kind of like the tie-in to the Halloween's kind of looming, yeah. and they get the skeleton gear, uh, stand and then dingleberries on the helmet. Yeah, like like oh the fins, the fins were bad. Yeah. Like, come on, like, like no, Shane McElrath wants lot, to lot. run a fin all. 2019 he said he said he might he i remember talking to him after the race and he's like dude i I, I could be into that i was like how cool would that be if that started this back oh yeah we need some cool fads like that again man like i just so stale and everybody just does the same shit like everyone just copies fast right so i it's really cool jeremy at red bull has so much to do with all that um i want to get him on the show by the way give me his number yeah, for sure. And then, uh, he's a, he's such a smart guy, and, mm-hmm. and man, he he knows how obviously knows how to create and market an amazing event. It just I don't know. I I feel so bad for him because yeah, it's an amazing success. But you know, being in his position, it's so hard. Like nobody else outside of the people that showed up would will show up. But it's so hard to get any other OEMs or manufacturers to 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 build any bikes for this. And like. I don't know. At some point in time, I feel like these other people have to realize how good this is for our sport. For sure. And I was surprised not to I, see it, it, a, it, uh, a, a Honda um, with uh, the 94 on it. Like the fact that like <laughs> for the video that you guys did, I think it was Jay Schweitzer was involved as well when they did the... Yeah, uh, with Kenny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah with Kenny on, on McGrath's bike. Yeah, I mean... Even if he did I, a couple of I, passes on that thing. Right, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, how do you not have Ken here just doing like a freaking victory lap, just waving to everybody if he doesn't want to race? But I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess if I if I'm Honda and Ken missed Supercross last year and the year before, I mean, you're very nervous about True. letting him do anything outside but like, is of it. Is he not riding? Oh, I, I'm sure he is, but yeah, I mean, which is yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, like there's like, oh, we don't want to get him hurt. Like, oh, so what's he gonna do? Go race the Supercross track at it or ride a Supercross right. track at home? 
Like, that's kind of how I feel about Monster Cup and all these dudes doing that race. Like, how's it? How's doing a straight rhythm 45 seconds any different than going and blasting freaking Monster Cup yeah. for that long? Launching like, 70 feet into You're a professional rider. Right? Yeah. I, I just, I don't understand how there's really any difference. Like, maybe yeah. since it's, uh, I don't know. But here's what I love about straight rhythm. How relevant has AJ Catanzaro or even Luke Rinslin been in any TV show in Not the past five years? I don't years know who any, either Super one Cup. of those guys are. They might, they might have had, uh, yeah, they might have had a, uh, 45 seconds of accumulated TV time over the past five years combined. Right. Like, I, look everyone how much still TV, thinks that TV AJ Catanzaro is the guy that got a podium at, like, Detroit Supercross 2013. <laughs> right? So, and look how much TV time they just got. And look, this is going on NBC primetime uh, shit. I, I don't know when Red Bull Signature Series airs, but, man, like, still, yeah. they're getting primetime exposure now. Yeah. And... I don't know. It, 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 it's an event that can give relevancy to anybody. Like whether you're Ryan Dungey or, or Luke Rinsland or Jason Anderson, like you show up, you're going to get the TV time. And it doesn't matter what bracket you make it through. You're getting TV time. For sure. And like, like there, there's a, I, I, like when I'm watching it, I see a ton of different opportunities that got missed. Like if I'm like, uh, and I, I love Pete Fox, but if I'm Pete Fox, I see that 125 edit that uh, um, AJ Catanzaro did. And you know, he saw it. Yep. There's a guarantee like that, that, uh, uh, right. the, the, and the how, teaser and how video. How did he not make the Fox gear again? How did he not, not make, like just one set, make one set and then make an, a limited edition gear available the week after. And that like that basically yep. funds your entire 2019, right? uh, uh, Can advertising you imagine, imagine how many people would buy that? Oh, I'd buy I'd buy five sets. I'd buy five sets in like the the, the size that I am now, and then one uh, size for when I'm a little bit fatter in like five years from now, so I can still wear. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I hope Canvas decided to do that. I, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right, man. Seriously. Any kind of limited editions, straight rhythm stuff that they could have sold. Like, imagine Stink Dog's helmet. How many people would buy a Bud Wright helmet? Are you kidding me? Oh. Like and everyone that has a, a, a an FMF stuff. pipe is is who would have it. Yeah, that. right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's. Uh, I dude, I would buy a Bud Wright helmet. I don't even smoke weed, and I want a Bud Wright helmet. For sure, no. Like, well, now now <laughs> that uh, uh, cannabis is now legal in Canada, um, which is hilarious uh, to me, but <laughs> right. Uh, especially because I like they keep they, they, there's there's ads on TV every day about not driving high and teach your kids about cannabis yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's who that's who like that's who's that's who you're, you're going to learn about cannabis from your parents that, that, that that's sure, um, but that's either now the hero nor but like yeah just all, <laughs> like the the uh, the skip Norfolk on the side of the track with a like so the, cool. the 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 wee big uh, smoker cross hat and the like. Uh, the, the the McGrath chest protector, the one two five, like it's just like it, literally people are cheering for things that they aren't even old enough to really appreciate. Like honestly, like like the 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 peak uh, peak gear or the peak whole setup, like you and I would have been in our like we're we're in our like elementary school and that's going on but still like just stirring up all kinds of just like every memory and you want to go back and watch that stuff on youtube thanks to tony blazer and it's just like <laughs> oh, all that stuff and it's just so good and mm-hmm. it just it, it brought back like the like literally it brought smiles back like literally all the like the riders were friends with each other again the yep. um the fans were like literally it was almost like spin the clocks back like 25 years and, and and basically attend a race. They had hay bales, hay bales. That was cool. So like, cool. 
Yeah. Just a, a, a small idea like that. I know Jeremy's a details guy. Like that to me was just like a, like almost like a, like a not even the cherry on top. Like that was like the the uh, a bead of sweat rolling down the side of the glass on a bre- uh, on a on a beautiful uh, um, get, milkshake. Like it's so good. Even better than that, man, was the fact that Jeremy bought. I just found this out yesterday. He bought four hundred ratio rights to give away to all the, uh, like, yes. I guess if you got VIP hospitality, that's right. That was your drinking cup for the night. Yeah. 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 And I saw that. I, I had seen a bunch of people with them drinking and I was like, where's everybody getting these ratio rights? And I found out yesterday, Aaron Colton told me, he goes, yeah, dude, Jeremy bought 400 ratio rights to give out. And I was like, you know what? That's freaking cool. That is so cool. And like, who doesn't need a yeah. ratio right nowadays? Because uh, if you're not mixing gas, you're not hauling ass. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Right. And uh, I just like you know what I I hope this does a lot of good for the sport, man. I mean, maybe it invigorates people to go get get on a two stroke again. I mean, I know, dude. I, I would go buy a 2018 KTM 150 tomorrow if yes. I like. I just I I don't want to ride, but if I if I did, I would. I I want one just to put in my dining room. You know what I mean? Like it's freaking yeah. masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, to, and 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 you know what I. A person like me, I still can go ride a 125 or 150 and feel safe. Like totally. you can't, like Ryan Villapoto told me, you can't go so fast on one of them. Like I'm sure you, you can, obviously, but yeah. um, you know, it, it's not like hopping on a 250F or 450, like you said, and being like, oh yeah, dude, I could still go hit that jump, but I got no business hitting it. But you know what? I'm on a four stroke. I can get over it, whatever. 125, you probably can't do it. <laughs> no, you like literally can't do it because you'll come into that corner and look at the face and be like, okay, I got this. Oh, damn. Yeah. You end up like, like kind of like you realize halfway up the face you do not have the speed, so you chop the throttle, <laughs> front end kind of dives a little bit, and you look like a squid. And then the next lap you learn better and just like jump over it normally like a, like a human. Um, but yeah, like it's like there, if you want a, a safe slice of humble pie, Grab yourself a one two five because there's only one way to ride a one twenty five and that's to do it wide open or not. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, or at that's, least it, or at least feeling like you're wide open, like you might not really be going that fast. Oh but yeah, it sounds you're like just you're going that fast. the clutch. Like I'm just abusing clutch plates. Like my life depended. Yeah 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 yeah. My corner speed is terrible, but it doesn't sound like it. No, that that's like I remember so funny. I have like I my my one twenty five is box stock. It's got a pipe and silencer on it. That's it. I come off the track. The pipe is purple, and I got moto dads rolling up to me like, dude, what what do you got going on with that bike? I'm like, uh, lots of clutch action, and I'm a hundred, I'm a, I'm a hundred and ninety five pounds. Like, what are you talking about, dude? This is pure lightning, pure lightning. Yeah, and speed. Did you see me out there? That was yeah. James Stewart. It's a, it's a full Mitch bike. Don't worry about it. Like, straight up. But uh, um, I, I hope that there's there's more stuff like this in the future. I hope that this this event stays like they kind of captured lightning in a bottle this year. I hope that they're it able did, to do that again it, next it year. It was like, magical to all of us. And I, again, going back to Jeremy, I, I just talking to him after the event. It just you know I, I think he's like crazy stoked on it. But it, again, once again, it revolved. It, it, revolves around getting factory support for it next year. You can't yeah. keep calling the same people and saying, Hey, I'm forcing you guys to be here. Like he needs, he needs the, you know, thank God Bill Poto loves it now. Thank God Dunge loves it now. I think we'll always see them return, but mm-hmm. we do need the Huskies and the Mitch Paytons and everybody. To be like, you know what? This, this is good for the sport. Let's, let's feel the rider or two, or at least feel the bike or two. Maybe it's not our top dude. Maybe it is, but like, yeah. Like how does Honda there, show, uh, call up like Billy Leninovich? 
Right? Why not? And why not, dude? It's 45 seconds. You don't need the most conditioned racer. No. Just feel the bike, feel a set of gear and a badass helmet. Like, spend 5000 bucks and get the marketing. Like, that's easily $5,000 worth of marketing that For you're sure. going to obtain from that. Oh yeah, and like and 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 like for those who don't kind of realize how that works nowadays, like you don't see the the Fox Thinker pose anymore because that's what Fox like Fox and many other companies do is they basically bring out a limited edition eye-catching gear, make you go to their website, then you look at how expensive the LE gear is, shit your pants, then you buy some 180 gear and <laughs> and that's where they have the biggest markup anyway but like it's that's the the best way to market yourself it's eyeballs and like more people if you're just if you just if literally you stumbled across motocross 10 days ago you know more about AJ Catanzaro than you know about like uh Zach Osborne right now and, Honest, seriously yeah probably like it, if you if you only stumbled across it ten days ago, and Zach Osborne amazing, and he probably loves riding two strokes, so you know he was watching this race, being like, "Damn it!" Um, and I hope I hope the I hope some of them were watching and saying, "Freaking it! I wish I could walk, race that." For uh, sure. They Especially, have, they have like, to. I, I haven't really talked to anybody about it, but you Jason Anderson with his what, his two fifty like, already built. Like, come on! That's why I couldn't believe it. I I, uh, I hit up. I hit up a few dudes around Jason a couple weeks before the event. And I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm hitting you up as a friend. Why can't you race? And he's like, we're, we're going to try. And then it just ended up being a no, but uh, mm. like, why, why you already got the bike. Yeah. And then even and for, for you're Eli, telling me like... ripping, ripping Paula for, for two motos mm-hmm. for trans world, or, or I think a motocross action, but yeah. ripping Paula for two motos is, safer than going to straight rhythm on a closed course where nobody can even get in your lane <laughs> if, and he arguably had more time on that bike than the guy who won it uh the, the like because Shane McElrath said he had 20 minutes on the yeah. bike prior to to the event like he's he was literally two or three times as uh, as prepared than the guy who won yeah. it and uh you would have had another checkered flag to your credit and all the uh, the eyeballs yeah. and the clicks that go along with it uh as well yeah. as I think some prize money because I don't think this thing uh, pays I, cheap I I think people are just still remember the RJ Hampshire incident and the whoops. And it's like, well, that could happen. But, right, but I, I feel like the track record for this event for the last three or four years has been pretty meticulous. Like, yeah, think Dog Crash. was tamed down, he, he too. Went to like, the those were pretty gnarly whoops that he that RJ died in. Right. And and they haven't done that since. So, you know, especially this year, outside of Stink Dog, which he just hit the whoops freaking wide open trying to freaking be a hero, badass for him. Mm. You know, it's, but other than that, man, we saw any of the skilled, like Villapoto, Dungy, like all of them kept it in check and didn't, I, I'm not going to say Stink Dog rode, rode above his head, but he definitely freaking went those whoops freaking yeah. wide ass open. Probably should have just said, you know what, suck it up, I'm not going to win this one. Yeah, but uh, no, straight up, and like well, honestly, like even like that that uh, two two three, like okay, if you give these guys four fifties, probably someone figures out how to go three three. Oh like, yeah, or three, or it'd be like four three or three, yeah, so you know what I mean. Like someone would figure out how to go like three four out of that thing uh, on a four fifty. Maybe, maybe but, like, James Stewart on a on his o o five kx two fifty, but. Or I don't think anybody else. Two thousand one Superman out. probably could have done it too. Um, <laughs> thing looks hey, so speaking sweet. of ta- talent, uh, Max Bolin was riding the Thursday and Friday practice yes. days, and he was fast as shit. By the end of it, dude, like him and Luke Rinsland were battling to the end. 
that's super cool, and I can't wait to see that kid on a one two five. Most likely at this oh, race next year. It, it made me think they should bring a super super mini class there next year, though. Like bring the kids that race super minis on Monster Cup and let them come rip. Oh yeah, like, like make it a, like a uh, from uh, uh, Monster Energy Cup. Like you could actually do almost a little bit of qualifier through that. That if you're top six, you're automatically in the top exactly, six yeah. all star bracket for the super minis. So obviously all those kids would be like super accomplished and totally capable. You're not like throwing in guys that like were back markers at the uh, yeah. monster energy cup. Like all these kids were like completely legit jumping things probably better than I ever will. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, um, as a side note, because there was this media thing, I completely want buddy Antonez to teach me how to hit a super cross triple so that I could represent myself <laughs> as at the, at, Nick. the at next year's race. How funny would that be? It'd be awesome. Hey, I, I pick my, I pick rider myself. My me. I like, I like I've decided to represent myself. Uh, the crown does not suggest that, sir. <laughs> that would be so awesome, dude. Yeah. Like just, just getting out there and being like, cool. I didn't qualify, but I got to ride the track. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. And then I'd fill up my ratio right full of cold beer and enjoy the show. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, even the fact that, like, cause like, you know, like, oh, K- Kawasaki's like, oh, we can't, we don't have a bike to sell. Like, like, uh, he has that 05 252 stroke, but you don't want to like, like, uh, you want to race that thing like for, for Eli Tomac. I'm like, same idea as the LE gear. Uh, like people go to the Kawasaki website expecting to see a 252 stroke. Oh, all they have is four strokes. Oh, I'll buy one anyway. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it might sell motorcycles. You don't know. It's worth a shot. Plus, you had some fun doing it. I, can you imagine if they were smart, man? I guarantee you, if they put a KX two fifty two stroke on their website, they would see sales go through the roof. Oh, for sure. Or if they like literally I bet just every did single a person uh, that has yeah. a four fifty right now would go buy a two fifty. Like if you ride a Cowie, you're going to buy a brand new KX two fifty. It could be bold new graphics on an 05 KX250. Yes. You're buying it. I would buy it I'm right probably now. buying it. I, I like right? If, if that's real, I, I'll go do that. Can, is that real? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, can you imagine, dude? I bet their sales would freaking explode and someone would be like, oh, someone's getting a promotion. Right. <laughs> like, so, hey, man, we've been telling you this for 15 years. One of my last questions for you then is uh, at what point, or if ever, uh, does the motocross industry listen to uh, the reaction on, uh, of the community, and certainly my, my, my social media uh, uh, tells me this, is that the community, like, like back in 2004, we all screamed for four strokes because they were awesome and we could hit jumps in, fourth, in third gear. Now uh, people want two strokes again, but the industry won't give them to them. Why? Yeah, who knows, man. You know because what I mean? Like, they, you they, go they kicking and screaming for it. something and you get it. Then 15 years later, you go kicking and screaming for something else, and you won't right. get it. Yeah, because all the retooling of a factory, I mean, that's millions of dollars. But guess what? Like, just like I said, if, if you brought the cape back, the KX250. Yeah, bolt for bolt. No, R, no R&D. Throw some freaking, throw some new suspension on there. You don't, like, run the if same that. bike, dude. Yeah. No, just retool it for a couple million dollars. I guarantee you're selling $10 million, $10 million worth of units, right? Yeah. I buy it, two of them. It would be insane. Leave one in the box. It would be. You're, it, it seems like such a no-brainer. I don't know how or why they haven't done it, and and too bad someone can't buy the rights to KX250 and build a warehouse and start putting them together because it, it would be insane. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think give this industry another five years, and when motorcycle sales just keep plummeting, there's going to be a time that 
everybody has to see the writing on the wall and say, how do we fix it? And the obvious, the answer is going to be so, so obvious in front of our faces for the past 15 years. Like it's, it's a no brainer. Make, make two strokes affordable again. Yep. Make Easy riding affordable on. again. The thing is, is Easy that to like, work on. I, I, I like one thing I noticed is that motocross bikes have been in the last 20 years have gotten like that's going back to uh yeah it's 2000 the 1998 the most basic rudimentary moto uh, motorcycle like carbureted suck squish bang blow the easiest thing to work on they're they were light they were simple they were awesome and they smelled great they sounded great love it now yep. and 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 honestly that same same went with the 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 practitioners and the consumers and everyone around it were simple light like it's just, like not to say like motocross racers are simple people, but like they were construction workers. They were uh, like your 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 regular everyday person. But now motocross bikes are exponentially more sophisticated, but the consumer isn't. Very true. Very good point. The consumer I mean, is still it, a is still a, a guy that swings a, a sledgehammer for a living. A guy that like does landscape. And right. Yeah, and those are also you know. Uh, Fifteen dollar an hour kind of people, man. Right, it, and that hasn't jumped. You can't, in price. You can't, you can't afford a, a, a two thousand dollar new motor, much less paying someone to fix a two thousand dollar motor. Like, right. like a I, manual I labor has I, not no, gone up in, in in wage much in the last right? twenty years. No, I mean, not, to be fair, nothing has. So, no, yeah, wages have stayed wages have stayed the same. So, inflation has caused prices to rise, but yet people are making the same amount of money. It's basic economics, but. You, you, the, the disposable income factor is why, like, okay, hey, I don't have enough money to ride dirt bikes anymore because guess what? It now costs me $12,000 for a motorcycle. Oh, that motor's going to inevitably blow up after seven hours or 70 hours, and you got to, or maybe you replace the top end at 70 hours. But it's, that's still probably, what, an $800 top end versus yeah. back on back on 125s, dude, I bought a $100 wide scope piston. I busted off the top end. I did it myself. Yeah, half a beer it, job. It was 100 bucks. Not an eight hundred dollar thing, and I, you know, I was a, a sixteen year old cook in a kitchen making six fifty an hour. I could afford to do that. I could afford to go down right. to Monroe Max Park and pay fifteen dollars to ride. Oh, the 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 stories of uh, like I can only imagine in forty years from now when kids are telling like when I tell people how my dad bought his first motorcycle, he worked right. at KFC <laughs> for a year so that he or like not even a year, like he like with his. <laughs> He saved up some money and bought a, a, a 1975 RM125. That was his first race bike. Honestly, my first race bike was given to, gifted to me for my, my dad. But the first bike I ever bought for myself, uh, I worked construction for almost two years. I saved some money, spent a bit of it, was able to save up again, and I eventually financed a 250 two-stroke uh, from KTM. Um, like, you know what I mean? Like, my, like the, 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 that story of being able to like, oh yeah, I like I worked my ass off for a whole summer uh, painting fences yeah. to buy a motocross bike is just that that story is gone, and I guess that like that's <laughs> to be expected a little bit with the way things it would, go. It would take you three, it would take you three years. <laughs> no, and then and then on top of that, like there would be legitimate paint uh, paint fence painting companies that would lowball you and uh, and 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 uh, and and get you out of business uh, before you earn enough money to uh, to actually do it. But um, right. Yeah, it's just it's a sad state of affairs, and uh, the fact is is that uh, fifteen year, or ten years ago, 
the locally the 65 class was split up A's and B's based on speed, and this year they combine they combine the 65 class with the 50 cc seven to eight and the little ladies division. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Like so, I said, at some, at some point in time, the sport's got to wake up. Whether it's whether it's the the Ronnie Mac style project or motorcycles or the way there's media or how we run races. I don't know. Again, that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but yeah, motocross, I guess is, is definitely hurting, but you look at the off-road scene and it, it, it's hard to argue, you know, that, that, that sector is, is growing. It's massive. Everybody sure. seems to be transitioning to that. I, I can't believe it. So whatever off-road has figured out, mm-hmm. it's what the people want. And, and, and I guess maybe that's, a more ride time for the same price. You know, everybody you can go ride in the woods for three or four hours for, yeah. for 40 bucks versus two motos for 40 bucks. So it's obvious people want to spend time riding their dirt bikes rather than watching other people ride their dirt bikes. So, yeah, you know, maybe just the, the art of local racing has just died off to the point that no one gives a shit and wants to do it anymore. And they want to go race off road races. I mean, if, if I'm being honest, like, even right now, I'd rather go race off road because it's it's slower and safer for me, and I get more ride time. So there's no way in hell I'm going and signing up for a motocross race night now. But if you were down here and we had two bikes, you're like, hey, dude, let's go freaking yeah. rip a sprint enduro this weekend. I'd yeah, be like, I you know what? Yeah, I sure, dude. Because guess what? I don't have to haul ass the whole time. Like, I'm going to be out of shape, but it'll be fun. It'll take two hours. And we'll have beers at the end, and we'll laugh and have a good time. Yeah, and we'll and we'll be out of there by three o'clock. And the reality right. is, is that this is my message to off road. You're still not cool. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't love you the way I love motocross. I don't like. It's not your like. Just because you're popular now doesn't mean you're the cool guy. But you're doing. <laughs> I like what you're doing. Everything like we need to model what you're doing a little bit. You're still not cool. But um, yeah, it, it's like. The fact that you can show up to it, like, locally, the uh, the riders' meeting is at 7 o'clock in the morning. The sun is barely cresting over the sun uh, over the horizon. And we often don't leave until 6.30, 7 o'clock after ra- racing all the different classes because now everyone has to have a – we have a special schoolboy class. We have, a, yep. we have a, like, two super mini classes and, like, kids yep. that, like uh, we have a, a class for kids with their noses itchy. Um, and then – so we finally have all, like – but like the off-road schedule, like I looked at it online, their riders meet is at nine a.m. They're they're <laughs> like there's they're, they do starts at ten thirty, and the, like literally, I think they said like happy hour is three o'clock. I'm like, what? What the fuck's wow. happy hour? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I want one of those. Yeah, I want some happy hour. But uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like a JD off-road man, that's how it is. Yeah. And I it's been a while since I've been to one, but yeah, it. It's like a six-minute loop, and they, they, but the, dude, they'll send three or four hundred people out on the track at the same time because you can. Yeah. And everybody shreds for two hours. It gets rough as hell. You get a damn good workout. It's fun as shit, and you get back and you drink beers. Yeah. Right. It's 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 an amazing deal. But yeah, you're right. Is it as cool as motocross? Is it as flashy as motocross? Like, is everybody? Is it as viewer ass? friendly? Uh, like, it's a little bit, a little bit more harder to watch. Uh, like, I, I, I can't imagine Absolutely. going. Absolutely. Uh, going to a GNCC and they're like, "Here come the ghost guys!" Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you ever have been, you you walk some miles in the woods to see, you know, they do come around one one time a lap, and yeah, hey, it's a cool experience. It's not something I can do every weekend, but you know, as a fan, I, I try to go to like you know one a year if it's close enough by or not not too far away to invest a 
whole weekend and a thousand bucks for the hotel rooms. Yes. But, you know, I, if there's ever an opportunity for me to go, I go and check it out and watch. Cause yeah, it's still cool and dirt bike racing, but it's not like going to a local motocross race where no, the 125 a class used to like down here, dude, James Stewart used to show up on a 125, Matt Walker, Derek Fisher, like all these dudes on, 125 screamers dude and it was like the most epic time ever watching that and even you know even later on in 2010 i still loved going to the local races and and filming uh just because it was still badass i love i loved amateur dirt bike racing so yeah it was still cool but yeah it's, it's just not what it used to be no it's not quite the days of shea bentley knocking off moto wins over ricky carmichael <laughs> yeah. in 1996 but uh maybe we get back to there one day but uh that's a that'll be a rabbit hole we go down on a different podcast um Wes Williams here on the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by, of course, FMF and the Fast House, the best-looking gear, the gear that, if you had to give truth serum to every single motocross racer nationwide, they'd all be choosing that. They'd be combing through the the gear. They'd pick themselves out a pair of black pants. They'd grab themselves five different jerseys, and guess what? You get five sets of of gear just like that. Hey, if if, if I'm being honest, if, if I had to go buy a bike tomorrow, it's a KT150, and yeah. I'm getting a black set of Fast House gear, dude. It is so sick. So sick. And uh, it, it's something they simple They make some dope-ass gear, and every, yeah. everybody has started totally coping the style of Fast House. I have to give them props, dude, yeah. because they're, they've they've pulled it off. Exactly. No, it, it can't be and beat. And, and, and it's in an industry where style and creativity is, is hard to come by, and like they, they just blew it out of the park, didn't they? Absolutely, and they just and they keep coming out with bangers year after year. I love it, uh, Wes. This has been an awesome hour and three minutes you too, of bud. pure gold. Um, do not hang up just yet because I need to hear that whole story of behind the scenes, and no one else gets to find out about. But uh, for <laughs> podcast sake, we're gonna rip it off right there. Sicko.